Liquid Courage, the podcast where I, Amanda Pereira, sit down with a fellow artist that I admire and ask them the questions I've never had the guts to ask them before. Sounds scary? Well, it is. So I use a little liquid courage in the form of their favorite drink. We cheers, chat, and connect as I attempt to soak up all the wisdom they have to offer. Today, I sit down with Courtney Gilmore and we drink some Malibu rum and coke. Courtney is an incredible stand-up comedian and writer who has performed, well, everywhere. She was featured in the JFL 42 Festival two years in a row. She won the Just for Laughs Homegrown Festival, earning her the opportunity to film her comedy set for Kevin Hart's LOL Network, and she was invited to record her comedy set for the Howie Mandel All-Stars Gala, airing on the CW Network. Courtney was named by Now Magazine as one of the top 10 stage artists to watch, and her solo Fringe show, Congratulations, Stories of Achievement, Embarrassment, and Self-Worth, debuted at the Toronto Fringe Festival so successfully that the show is now in the works for becoming a published book. She co-hosts the podcast, My Rated X, alongside her real-life ex-boyfriend, where they review and rate fictional relationships. You can catch Courtney on screen in John Doerr's new comedy, Humor Resources, on CBC Gem. So Courtney is a comedian and someone I admire immensely. Okay, so the first, first thing is, so I asked what you wanted your liquid courage beverage to be for this episode. And I love that, like you said, quote, sorry in advance and and you chose Coke or Diet Coke with Malibu rum. And I have never had this before. I mean, Malibu rum, I used to drink all throughout university. Like I loved it. Okay. Like candy. Oh, you just, right. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, that was why like this drink to me, just historically based on the type of people I've surrounded myself with in life. (laughs) um, It comes with a disclaimer because coconut is a choice, I feel. And it's like, (laughs) nobody's like in between about coconut, like you love it or you hate it. And so I'm actually surprised that the, the, for you, the new, ter- the new terrain is the, the combination with Coke. That's what you're yes. saying? Oh, okay. That's so strange because I grew up, like my mom never bought me Coke. Like it, like it was okay, like ginger ale yeah. or Sprite. I never had Coke. And so right, right. I'm trying to think what I used to put with Malibu rum. I think I put like, I mean, pineapple juice is so fun, but I don't think I was that cool. Like I mean, maybe, that's a, I, the, I mean, the beauty of this drink is it's very <laughs> tropical, but you can't just mix it. It's not a mixer with, um, I mean, you can't mix it with anything. Like, <laughs> the Malibu rum, it's pi- so hard. Pineapple, yeah. I think, airs a little bit more towards the sweeter side, though. Like, yeah. That's why I like, the Coke is like a nice bite. It's mm. like a good, it's like a good, like, um and the reason so I get I get dragged for this drink for drinking Malibu (laughs) rum and coke and I and I but it's the one that I stand by because I you know we've all had like big regrets in our drinking days like of our college and everything but the one thing I was always proud of myself for is that I never drank anything I didn't like like the taste of and I, I, I bypassed that whole phase of like caring about drinking a certain thing because it was the cool thing to drink. But I was like, no, if I don't like how it tastes, I'm not going to drink it. Like, where's the fun in that? And I just love coconut and I love Malibu rum. So I don't know. It quickly became my my choice. I love that. I also <laughs> love that you're just like, yeah, no, I'm not going to like drink something that yeah. I don't like. I don't like beer and so I don't drink beer because why would I drink it if I don't like it? Yes. Why would you dr- see? But that is a question that I think I still as an adult, I need to ask myself, like yeah. there are things I eat. I'm like, why am I eating this? I don't like it. 
Yeah. I didn't realize coconut was so polarizing. And then when oh, you're yeah. saying it, I'm like, it's kind of like cilantro or I'm trying to yes. think of other things that coconut are very. Splits the room. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, coconut does split the room. Yeah. How do you feel about cilantro? Like another. Okay. So <laughs> I have gone back and forth on cilantro and mm-hmm. I used to hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. And then I, all of a sudden one day started liking it. And I never asked for that. And I never, <laughs> I wasn't even like, um, oh, I should give it. It wasn't like an acquired like coffee, like an acquired taste where I was like, I should, I should try it, you know, mm. like I should try it because cilantro is widely hated. So yeah. you, you can get through life hating cilantro and not feeling like an outcast. It's not yeah. that. <laughs> but one day I think I just had it on, like there are certain foods I enjoy that there tends to be a cilantro mm. sprinkled generously on it. One is uh, banh mi. Do you like banh mi? I've never had that. So it's a Vietnamese sandwich. Um, and and then they, so um, banh mi is like a longer sandwich and it has like different toppings in it and then cilantro. And then there's bao, <laughs> which are little buns, like steamed oh, buns. Oh yes, I love bao yeah, buns. Yeah, which are good too. But they, they tend to put a lot of cilantro. And I think one day I just ordered one and ate it with the cilantro still in. And I was like, this is not that bad. (laughs) This is okay. Yeah. 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 I love it. I think it's very fresh, but I am. It's interesting that you say like you used to hate it. And then one day you just liked it and you didn't ask for it because I weirdly feel like one day will come where I will hate it. I feel like there's one day that will come that I'll hate it again. (laughs) This will last. Yeah. yeah. Short spell. Yeah. You know, some, some kind of freaky Friday shit. Yeah. It's like when I grow, yeah. I, I grew up having a pet cat and I wasn't allergic to her. And then I became allergic to her. And then I stopped being allergic to her. And then I became like, it was just like a yo-yo oh, of right. allergies and non-allergies. Yeah. I feel like that's probably going to be cilantro, but I've always loved coconut. And yeah, okay. it was the Coke. And you know what? I think, I feel like I think of, um, if it's a dark liquor, then I think of a dark chase with a mixer. And then if it's a yeah. light liquor, I think of a light mixer I have no idea why that's not logical I was a bartender (laughs) and I think that's awful to be just thinking like right it just seems like it should be that yeah I guess because I think about as a pina colada okay now that I've talked to you about this because I've been mystified by this drink I've been so excited to try it ever since you emailed me I purposely was like it's been sitting (laughs) in my fridge I will not try it okay and we have the same glass okay mine is like very foggy but but it's got like the rainbowy type, like the iridescent you know? thing. Yes, Look, so I love I that. Cheers, Courtney, with our twin glasses over here. Cheers. I hope you enjoy. Holy Jesus, that's good. Isn't that good? Oh, good. My I mom is gonna it. be so mad at me that I love this drink because she's always like, "Don't drink." Co-. I think it's just when I was a kid. Maybe it was just pop. Like, don't pop, drink pop. Yeah. yeah, me too. Me too. Actually, we we didn't mm. drink soda a lot growing yeah. up. Yeah. So, um, it's like a nice treat. It's a it is. Treat. It is a rebel. It's a rebellious mm. like treat. Also, it's extra rebellious right now because like during COVID, you know, we can't go on vacation right now. But there's yeah. something about coconut no, you is vacation no, rebellious vacation. Class. Yeah, it's in this class. <laughs> Mm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. Courtney, thank you so much. That's one thing I love about this podcast <laughs> is like learning about new little drinks. And this is like something, you know, when they're like, I've been looking for love and it was right in front of my face all of along. Course. It was there all along. So simple. You so know? simple. I, I can make this drink. Oh my yeah. God. Okay. <laughs> Courtney, I am so, so excited to have you here today. I have been admiring you from afar in the oh. most like 
healthy boundary, wonderful. Like, <laughs> like it sounds bad when I say it, but I've just been a huge fan of yours forever. Um, I think you are so talented and so fucking funny in everything you do. Um, so I just really appreciate you being here today. And I, the first place that I wanted to start is that, so when you started for standup, I read or listened, I can't remember whether I read it in, in an interview or I listened to it in an interview of yours, mm-hmm. where you said you started in Christian standup. Technically I did. Yes. Like, okay. So I just have to ask, like, what is that? Like, how does that work? Like, tell me uh, this, this situation. Yeah. Um, well, I was really involved in like church and stuff growing mm-hmm. up and, um, I went to church for a really long time and my family is Christian and everything. And um, once I went to college, a uh, university in Windsor, Ontario, I was still very involved in like church type activities. And I was starting to become interested in comedy, but I didn't really know about like mainstream comedy. Mm. We didn't really grow up on stand up. Like my parents are funny people and they love comedy but they they don't really watch stand-up though Mm. like all the comedy I knew was through um my parents favorite shows um we watched a lot of British comedy like uh Faulty Towers Monty Python Keeping Up Appearances um and and then we would watch we were a mad tv house not 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 SNL yes (laughs) and so um And uh, I really loved Conan O'Brien a lot. Mm. And so I had all these comedic influences, but I didn't really know stand-up. And um, when I was on campus in university, I was part of um, this Christian like club on campus, like this Christian organization. And I decided that for a fundraiser for the club, we should have a comedy night. And I didn't like... I didn't even know where to start. Like, I didn't know any comedians at all. So I just like Googled. <laughs> what made know. you think? Yeah, like what was know. like, you know what, fundraiser? Yeah. Screw the brownies. We're doing a comedy night. I know. I, know. I, I don't really remember what my train of thought was to get there. I think I was just trying to think of, I was a, an event coordinator. So mm-hmm. I was trying to think of interesting, creative things that we hadn't done before. Mm-hmm. And we had never done um, comedy before. So I started looking up like, but I knew they wouldn't let me do it if I didn't have some sort of Christian affiliation with it. Mm-hmm. To look up Christian comedians, um, which again I didn't really know if that was a thing. But once yeah. I googled it, it's a thing. Like there is a whole circuit out there, and um, so I found this one in LA. Um, this this girl who um, she had done like some feature spots on The Tonight Show and and mm. and stuff, and uh, she seemed funny. And so I I messaged her and I was like, "How much would it cost to bring you out to Windsor and have you perform?" And so we worked it all out. And then I was on the phone with her. And I remember like we were trying to, now that I think about this in retrospect, I was producing a comedy show then. Now this sounds crazy to me because I didn't know at the time that that's what I was doing. And now like years and years later, having produced many comedy shows and having been on many comedy shows since then, I was doing everything wrong, like everything wrong. (laughs) I was sitting here so impressed, like, sorry, in university you called her and you're like, so what would it take to get you to, like, what does it cost to fly you out here? I'm like, this is your first show and you're not even getting everyone you know to do like a talent show. You're going like, nope, 
No, a headliner. A headliner yeah, yeah. Is on, who from was on the Tonight Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah from LA. We'll just get you on campus. Who cares? You know, whatever. <laughs> and and I think that that actually helped me because when you ha- when you're so naive to mm. a bigger industry, you have so much confidence because you don't know better. And you mm. like you have the you know the balls to just ask questions like, hey, what would it take to fly you out here? Because you're not scared of rejection because you don't give a shit either. Yes. Way. And so she was like game and, you know, it was expensive, but luckily we had like, um, we had a university event fund that was like specifically for events like this. So like Mm. we were, we just, we raised some money for it, but we had some funding too that I I applied for. And then, so there was like this university event council. Mm. and, And if you want to um host an event that's like above their normal budget, you have to give a presentation to them and like, convince them that they should give you the money for this event mm. so I had to do that I had to go in front of this council of board <laughs> members and like convince them to bring a Christian comedian to the <laughs> and tell from them LA. Show, like, yeah, from LA. yeah and I was like this is so important for our club like this is really going to change the trajectory of our club if we have this girl from LA come tell jokes so they let they let me bring her out but then um, and it was really exciting. Like, I, you know, we had never done that before. So all my friends and family were excited to come and support it. But then I was on the phone with her, the comedian, mm-hmm. and she's like, okay, so let's talk about logistics of, you know, how to put on a comedy show. And she's mm-hmm. like, typically, like I would do maybe 40 minutes and um, 45 minutes, maybe an hour, but like typically we would have like an opener. And she's like, do you have anybody local who could open for me? Like some kind of local talent who could just do maybe five to 10 minutes. And I didn't know anybody who could do that. <laughs> like there wasn't really a comedy scene in Windsor, Ontario, yeah. in like 2004. You're like, and- I could try and call Will Sasso <laughs> and see if he could go for 10 minutes, maybe on here. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know anybody and I, nor did, nor did I know that that was the norm. And so mm. we're talking and she's like, well, you seem funny. And I was like, oh, thank you. And she's like, maybe do you want to do it do you want to just like open for me I was like sure why not (laughs) she's like have you done stand-up before I was like nope not even once (laughs) (laughs) she's like great wow yeah Yeah, I mean she seemed kind of nervous um but when I told her that (laughs) she's like (laughs) but she's like you know like put together five minutes and just some like just you know the stuff that you would joke about and um and just you know it can be really short and and see how you do and and I was really excited to do that and and it was my first time doing stand-up ever and um and so I did that I opened for for this girl and uh it went really well given that it was um a fundraiser with all of my friends and family it was a sold out crowd of people who just really love me and would not Mm. have booed me whatever I said (laughs) so it was like a nice cushy landing for a first stand-up yeah um but all of that to say that sort of is what launched me into like in the beginning like Christian comedy is because Mm -hmm. of that that event sort of catapulted me into other I did similar like church events and stuff but that was all I knew um and so eventually I sort of uh, veered off course a bit. 
Cheers. And, um, <laughs> Cheers for off course. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, um, and it was when I moved to Toronto that I re- really was, I was able to saturate myself with like an actual mainstream comedy scene and see like mm-hmm. what it was like to have like a, a hustle and, and grind type of um, nightlife um scene and mm-hmm. and yeah and that's sort of sort of where I've shifted gears but yeah those, those first couple of years there was a lot of churchy events very weird very weird <laughs> it's not like like there are Christian comedians like headlining mm. comedians like um but not like a scene of like up and coming like op- it's not like open mic really. right that's what I'm wondering yeah like at a church event yeah. is it that they're like would it be like a church is putting on like, oh, so I also grew up like going to church when I was younger. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. My, yeah. Going to like a Pentecostal church for many, many oh, years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think I was like, I think, well, I was baptized Catholic, my oh. Portuguese side, Catholic, but I think it's just a default. It's like, if you're, a, if you are a little baby girl at six months, you got your ears pierced and you got baptized in the Catholic Absolutely. church. Absolutely. And thank That's you for just, saying that because I got my ears yeah. pierced at six months old and I okay. Think- it's yeah. so creepy kind of baby <laughs> but like right. I was one of them and so I like feel defensive about it sometimes <laughs> you know I grew like I didn't know I just assumed all, just did that. I just thought that's what happened and it's funny yeah. because I didn't even think about that it was only the girls like I remember growing up thinking all babies get like they all get oh. both their ears pierced at six months but then oh. noticing that like oh well my my male cousins don't have their ears and my brother doesn't have his right. ears pierced so I guess it's just girls and it was so strange to me when I met a girl in school who didn't have her ears pierced. Like, I just thought that's what you did to babies. Yeah, me me too. That's just what you did to babies. That's what you do to babies. Boys get circumcised. Circumcised and girls get their ears pierced. pierced. That's just what happens. I know. It's in the Bible. That's how it happens. If you don't, the baby has to go to hell. So it's like, like, I want to go to heaven. The, 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 The highway to heaven is Claire's. Claire's and like if you go to our den you better atone for your sins Mm -hmm. like it's straight up Claire's all the way I used to love Claire's me too me too God bless Claire's God bless Claire's is Claire's still a thing I I feel like with COVID I haven't gone to like a mall in so long I don't even know if it's a thing I don't know I haven't seen a Claire's in a while but our den is going strong strong Oh, yeah. Their clothing well, game, they have leaned yeah. hard into clothing. <laughs> yes, they like, have. And shoes, weirdly. Like, just oh, like yeah. Stuff. Yeah. So many shoes. And I I have periodically, like, down in, um for viewers and watchers in Toronto, there's the path, mm-hmm. which is, like, the underground. Like, yeah. it, like, connects the subways and all these different places. But there's, like, it's, like, a little underground shopping mall, basically. Mm-hmm. And there's an Ardennes that I would pass all the time. And the number of times I would go in there and think, you know what? maybe I could fit into one of those sweaters or t-shirts or something. <laughs> and I put it on. And the, and the problem that I find with their clothing is that there is 0% stretch in anything, anything no, at yeah. all. But you think like, if it's stretchy, I think that the cheaper, the clothing, the more stretch it's going to have, but they have mm. somehow there's no stretch and it all smells weird. Even if I yeah. wash it, I don't That's know. That's true. Yeah. But I keep it's going very- back distinctly are then yeah. yes and their bathing suits are cute but I'm so afraid it will like disintegrate and <laughs> I'll be just left naked without yeah, wanting it, to it's faulty it's faulty uh like engineering yeah yeah 100 100 exactly. um so yeah so I also like 
I went to like, uh, when I was younger in the summer, a few summers in a row, I would go to this like family Christian overnight camp for a couple weeks where like me and my family would like sleep in a cabin together and go to church every morning. So I'm, I guess I'm just like, of course it's, you know, we could be totally different, different subcategories of, of Christianity. I don't know what the proper word is. Yeah. Like denomination. Thank you. Yes. That is what I'm looking for of Christianity. But I just thought I like would put, I was thinking when I was learning that about you of like, (laughs) that would, I can't even picture, like, even if I went to a church, I'm like, I can't picture them having like a stand-up show. Right. So, um, well, first of all, I, I was also evangelical. So that mm. started within the same like subgenre. I've been to Pentecostal churches, but mine was Baptist. And so mm. it's kind of like a little bit within the same evangelical realm. Yeah. Um, but um, we like my church, my home church didn't have comedy shows, mm. but um, there was this guy who's a comedian. Um, yeah, I'll name drop him because he's, he's still a comedian. He's very funny. And he's more of a... Um, a, a more famous like Canadian Christian comedian but mm. his name is uh, Leland Klassen and so he used to put on this thing called comedy tournament which if you're from Toronto you, you'll know you'll know um that you'll know the competition called comedy brawl yeah like this like citywide ongoing months-long competition for like amateurs and open micers and you know pros to compete for money in like a, an ongoing series of shows mm. so it's like bring your own friends they pay to get in and you can win money every time until you make it to the end and then you're a finalist and there's like cash money so Mm -hmm. he had a Christian version of this called comedy tournament and it was like in different um cities like Kitchener and Guelph and stuff like that and I didn't win I didn't make it but I had a lot of fun I did like Mm -hmm. a couple of those shows and so he was sort of like a connector for me where he had certain events that he would put me up on And so it was just kind of like here and there. It wasn't really Mm -hmm. a regular consistent thing. It was just sort of like wherever I could find an event. Sometimes like like ladies from my church would have some kind of um, Christian adjacent organization that they were a part of that they wanted me to um, do a set at. So I would do stuff like that. So it was just kind of like random wherever I could get jobs. Yeah. It's like yeah. you were like already in the first year, you were like, yeah, I'm getting booked. I'm getting booked, I'm getting gigs, booked. you know, I'm doing 40 minutes at the Rotary Club. Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> so then going to Toronto mm-hmm. and and being immersed in the comedy scene there, did it feel like, oh, my God, I'm home? Did it feel like, oh, how am I going to fit myself into this? Like how what was that experience like? I think it was a mix of both. I was mm. excited to have an opportunity to do it more consistently. Yeah. Which was important because I knew that if I wanted to, I knew that if I wanted to move to Toronto, I would have to make the decision that this is what I want to do because mm. it was a big shift in my life. It's um, it's not cheap to live in Toronto. So if you're going to go there for comedy, you better be sure that that's what you're going to try to do. Mm. And um yeah, so I was, I think I did one of my first shows here at Yuck Yucks on their amateur night. And I think it was there that I realized like, yes, this is something that I really enjoy doing. Hmm. Um, I'm able to make non-church people laugh, which is a 
<laughs> oh, I was worried yeah. for a sec. Like maybe I'm just being coddled. Like maybe people, my people are just kind of like coming out to support me. Mm. And yet, you know, after a certain point, you have to be able to support yourself in, you know, dark basements full of strangers <laughs> and drunken, you know, people. Like you need to be able to entertain everyone. Mm-hmm. So once I realized I actually could do that, I think I got excited because I felt like, yes, this is what I want to do. Um, there was some nervousness about mm. like, how am I going to, you know, find my way? How am I going to navigate? But I mess it. So what I would do, I think a lot of comedians do this, or at least I'm going to tell myself that to make myself <laughs> better. But yeah, everyone I, does this. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. What I did was like, I just kind of quietly scouted out shows around the city. And then I would just go to them and just watch them. Mm. And then and then message the comedians after and be like, how did you do that? Like, like <laughs> I would add them to Facebook and I would be like, well, I didn't message a lot. The main one, um, you know, who is like a little, a good comedy pal now is, is Matt O'Brien. Mm. Uh, he's out in LA right now, but um, he was one of the first comics I saw and connected with. And I, I just, I messaged him one night after I saw him at Yuck Yucks. And I was like, listen, I thought you were really funny. And I'm here to do comedy too, but I just don't really know how to do it. I don't know mm. where the rooms are. I don't know how to get on shows or whatever. And he was really amazing. Um, he pointed me in the right direction, uh, invited me into the Toronto stand-up community on Facebook and just really helped me narrow the path a little bit. So it didn't mm. feel so scattered. And then, yeah, from there I had a little bit more to grab onto. Well, and good on you for just going and being like, okay, I want to do something. Someone's doing it. I'm going to ask them how, can I tell you actually, so I read, um, Judd Apatow's book, sick in the head. And he basically when he was, and I'm like paraphrasing so hard here, but like (laughs) when he was younger, he saw stand up and wanted to know how to do it. And so as a kid, he sort of went under the guise of like, oh, I'm from this radio station or whatever, but really it was just his high school. Mm -hmm. And then he brought his little tape recorder and like interviewed like, Hey, Jerry Seinfeld, how did you do that? Mm -hmm. And that's actually what some, I mean, pseudo, not just that, but that had a huge influence on me wanting to do this podcast because people like you, I see doing things. I'm like, hi, how are you doing that? And for years (laughs) I just didn't ask. And I think that's so fucking awesome that you saw Matt doing something and you're like, I like how he is doing it. I want to know how he's doing it instead of sitting here and like questioning myself of, Oh, should I message? You just, message him and that's another thing about kind of like the big that beginner's brazen impudence that you're Mm. just like I just can't not I'm here to do this so how am I gonna do it so you just kind of find um a connection and and latch on to it and you know like not everyone would be as kind as him um mm-hmm. but I did manage to find a lot of kind, uh, kind people um K Trevor Wilson was another one of them mm-hmm. which is really kind like they didn't hoard information to themselves mm-hmm. which is really important I think yeah like, important to me too is like not don't try to keep things away from the beginners because you don't want them to succeed you know like I just don't, I don't know. I don't like that whole scarcity mindset and feeling like, oh, if I give too much, they're going to take opportunities from me. Like I don't Mm -hmm. think that's true. So I was happy to, yeah, to connect with people who are more than generous with, with pointing me in the right way. Like, what do you think it is that when you're starting out, you have this like gutsy message, like, Hey, how do you do that? Can I do this? Can I do that? (laughs) And then as you get more experienced, is it an ego thing? Is it like, 
for, I mean, I think for me, I start feeling ashamed that I don't already know it. Like, I feel like I should already know that, but what do you think it, what do you think it is? Why is it harder for us to ask for help or advice or all these things as we get more experienced in the area? I think that it feels like when you're just starting and you don't have as much information and you also don't have a lot to lose, you're not really scared of the rejection because Mm. like, you don't really know better. Like, I think that there's a lot of confidence in beginners because they just don't know what's at stake. Whereas like, for instance, if you've been doing it for a few years and you start getting to know people and you start having conversations about just for laughs or like Mm. network shows or pitching or whatever TV tapings and stuff, like you have more intel in your head. And then you there's sort of like this ladder theory where it's like, well, okay, now I'm on this rung. Now I have to get to the next. Mm. And you start knowing how the, the whole sphere works. And you're like, oh, so I better not say this around that person because I know that that person works for this festival. You don't know any of that when you're starting. And so you don't really feel like you have a lot to lose, I think, mm. or that your reputation is at stake because you don't have one yet. Mm. And I just think that there's like this really beautiful naivety that comes with, and I think you can still hold on to that a little bit as you Mm -hmm. go on. It's just like, um, yeah, the more aware you are of of the industry, you start feeling a little bit more insecure, I guess. And you feel like, oh, this person could reject, reject me. And now that I'm, you know, now that I have five minutes of material, it's going to hurt more to be rejected Mm. now than it would have when I did barely had one joke because now I'm working for it. And if I feel like I'm being denied now, it feels like that means something about me, Mm -hmm. which it doesn't. I'm just saying that's what the thought process we, I think we feel like we have more to lose the Mm -hmm. more we keep going. Yeah. Yeah. You start operating well, at least for, this happened for me really hard in improv. Like I came yeah. in guns blazing, loved it. was just like, I had such a healthy relationship with it for years and years. And then for whatever reason, it just started. It sort of started when I uh, stopped needing to ask for stage time. That's sort of when I started being like, Ooh, people expect me to be good. Like I'm going to let people right. down and I don't want to be bad because then maybe they only like me because they think I'm good. all these things in my head. And you start to operate um, motivated by fear or using fear as your compass, which is so shitty because there are so many crappy things about working in comedy, but Mm -hmm. one of them is the love and the fun for it. That's like what pulls you in and sticks you, you know? And so it's, it can be really scary when that, when you start operating out of fear instead of fun, it's like, I'll just go get a job at the bank. Like, I don't know why I'm here now. If I'm always afraid of yeah, totally. Up. Especially because the more you do it, the more, okay, so the more you do it consistently, the more you t- attach yourself to it as like an yeah. identity. Oh, and yeah. when you identify with it as like your worth and your being, any counter opinion to that feels like a direct attack on you. Whereas, you know, you're starting out and it's maybe just something you're dabbling with. Mm -hmm. And so I think the more we do it, the more we have to be cautious of like identifying ourselves by this one thing and by what other people are thinking about us. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's, I think that is a a prevalent thing. Like that's what we, we do a lot. And it comes from fear for sure. 
Yeah. yeah. I I've heard, um, that like a healthy thing to do for anyone in like performing or like a- entertainment, honestly, this could be anybody I'm stuck in a bit of a bubble. So like, this could be for anything, um, yeah. that like having another thing that you're as equally passionate about. I think I heard yeah. it from like Kaylee Cuoco who like, I don't know okay. much about her, but I heard exactly. I almost like didn't want to drop her name. Cause I was like, Oh, am I going to be taken seriously here? It was somebody talking about her. Oh, it was at a Hollywood uh, round table panel thing where they have like mm-hmm. a bunch of different actors and stuff. And mm-hmm. somebody was pointing out how Haley Qu- Kaylee Cuoco. Oh my God. Yeah. Now I can't even say her oh, name. Oh, you just and called I her. Can't, oh my God. I can't even blame the Malibu yet. I haven't even had enough. Although when I panicked and like, because I saw that we had, you were using that glass, which I have, and I was using a different mm-hmm. one. I panicked and poured it in. Um, yeah. This one can hold more liquid. So I just quickly like dumped more Malibu in it. So it's very <laughs> yeah, strong. It's very strong. Which yeah. I love. Um, yeah. But someone had point, like someone at the table pointed out how she has acting as a profession. And then also she like, is an equestrian like jump oh, horses cool. and stuff yeah. and she was saying how when she was auditioning and not getting anything and she felt like shit it mm-hmm. was great because then she could just go and ride horses and practice mm-hmm. and that and when she was sucking and riding horses she could be like well fuck it I'll turn to acting and almost having yeah. like two passions that really make up her identity I don't have that do you have like a second <laughs> passion outside of comedy that you're um, like this also is a thing that is a part of my identity um I don't, I mean, I, I have a lot of other, yeah, I have a lot of other interests. I don't know that there's one that is particularly or equally as time consuming or energy consuming <laughs> yeah. as comedy. Cause yeah. like a lot of people will ask me like, well, what do you do in your free time? And I'm like, free time. This is pre pandemic. Like now, yeah. I, now I have lots to say about that, but like, yeah. I was like free time. Like it's, this is a one, this is one career that it really consumes and permeates your lifestyle. Like it's, Mm. if I'm not on stage, I'm thinking about what I would be doing on stage or I'm talking about being on stage on a podcast or I'm writing the things that I'm going to say on stage or I'm watching other people on stage. Like, (laughs) and I mean, but yeah, no, but that is a really good point. And so, and that's great. I didn't know that about her, that she's an equestrian, which Mm. I love that word too. Uh, Don't know if I'm using it correctly. It's it's better than horse 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 girl. Horse Uh, girl is like less (laughs) sophisticated. And like the new movie. I think Alison Brie has a new movie. I haven't seen it. It's good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's like kind of, it's supposed to be like a little offbeat. Yeah. It's weird, but it's good. Okay. I'm into it. I want to watch that and her husband's, I'm forgetting his name, Dave Franco, uh, his movie, The Rental. Like I want to watch both of them. Oh, I've seen that one. Yeah. Really? Okay. How is that? That is good as well. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty good. It's, that's okay. an interesting one. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, so, I mean, I guess that can count as an interest. I watch a lot of movies and a lot of like, I feel like that's in the same, like, like <laughs> I'm the same when people say like, okay, like if I would go to an audition or go to like, mm-hmm. a, like a class and they would say, tell us something about yourself. I always yeah. thought in my head, okay, think of something that has nothing to do with the entertainment industry. I'm like, literally, like, I don't know. I, know I, have, you a can't. I, would I say know. have a dog. That's all I yeah. would say because honestly, if I'm, yeah, I'm either watching TV or movies. I mean, sometimes I'll say reality TV. Cause I love yeah. that. And like, I, that's not really a part of career, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it is a very, all consuming. And the only other thing is if I have a Joe job where I'm like serving at a restaurant, mm-hmm. but that's not like something about me. You know what I mean? It's not connected to my identity. Yeah. But I think that like, um, well, I think I have a good sense of self though, apart from 
what I pour myself into. Like I think mm. at, like when you uncover it all, there's like the self that you identify with. And I just kind of like know who that is and everything else that I'm interested in or even do as a job is more or less just an extension of that. So mm. I think when I feel that, um, then that makes me feel more connected to who I am than completely relying on my entire self-worth being determined by how successful I am at comedy or mm -hmm. whatever and so that's how I'm able to kind of temper the whole like feeling like I have to identify with being a comedian otherwise if someone else doesn't validate me as one I'm going to jump out a window yeah <laughs> there's just like this intrinsic like essence of myself that I find, you know and I I find that through doing I think and maybe Kaylee our girl Haley Coloco would maybe <laughs> say that she feels that when she rides horses. It's like, it's like this, I don't know, when you feel kind of calm or like, mm. um, you know, meditating or doing things that are, feel meditative. I think that even when I'm doing mindless stuff at home, I still feel very connected to myself because I'm just like mm. being quiet and not running my mouth like I do on stage. And so, <laughs> I, yeah, so I think there's just like this concept of self that that really helps me just feel more even keeled and, and isn't so like frantic to to get validation constantly, which it, I mean, mm -hmm. that used to be the case. But you know, mm -hmm. you got to learn from that, I guess. And it also comes back to bite me sometimes. So I'm not gonna <laughs> lie about that. <laughs> I think that's so but I think that's like such a lovely, like, reminder to hear though, that a strong sense of self, like, although being a comedian can be such a strong part of your identity mm -hmm. to really work, to really remind yourself that it's not your full identity because then you, you know, you, and like, you always hear like, Oh, in improv and stand up or sketch all of it. It's like, if you're not out actually being a person and living your life, you're going to end up being on stage, talking about being a comedian, telling jokes about being on stage. Like it's so yeah. insular. You don't have any sort of references or like you lose sort of who you are other than a performer. Did you, yeah. did you always feel like a strong sense of knowing who you were and, and like that, that core sort of sense of self that you talked about, or when did you start developing um, that? Uh, no, I, I mean, hmm. I guess I saw glimpses of it always growing up, but I think it was only in the past, um, like four or five years that I've mm. really started to come into that. And I discovered just certain ways of being and practices that help me every day that, um, that center me and give me that self-concept that just mm. continually, you know, keeps me grounded and, and, you know, makes me feel alive. And mm. so it's kind of recent. I think I've always seen glimpses of it, but I never really thought it was something that I could have, on a consistent basis where I just kind of like feel constant, not uninterrupted, but like pretty consistent peace. Mm. So like no matter what is going on or no matter, cause I mean, comedy is such an up and down career and it's so, it's such a pendulum swing of like, when I'm doing well, I feel amazing. And when I'm doing bad, I feel like shit. And mm -hmm. I think I got to a point where I was like, I cannot live the rest of my life like that yeah. because that's too that's giving my power too much to other people and I just I can't do it I've got to find some way to feel my to feel authentically me no matter what and I'm allowed to like 
come out of that and have moments of doubt or moments of sadness or whatever. I'm like, I allow all of my feelings. It's not about like faking positivity all the time. Mm. It's just like, I want to have something to come back to in myself that is apart um, from comedy or the need to define myself from, uh, by success. So I think mm. it was in like the 2016 is when I started reading like certain self-help books and that yeah. really launched that for me. I read this book uh, called You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. Oh, is it the orange cover? Like, I wanted yeah, right, right, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes. Now I'm, and I'm picturing a totally different book. I just realized, but I do know, is that one have like a little smiley face or something? The bright orange one. Are you thinking of, um, the what art the of fuck? not giving a fuck? Yes. Yeah. That one. <laughs> yeah, okay. So that those are two that I want to read though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I haven't read that one, but, um, but yeah, it's called You Are a Badass. And it just like, I don't know, it really helped me, uh, discover ways to control, like, retrain my mind you know mm. and to just retrain you know reprogram myself so that I'm not so drawn to uh self-doubt and um and once I, I read that book I started reading other books and it just kind of snowballed from there and now it's yeah it's been a real journey of of finding other things to to identify myself instead of uh like the validation from others yeah oh that's fabulous well I I um I watched this my God, the speech that you gave. And now I think it was at Western university. Oh yeah. Gave the a speech. Yes. Oh my God, okay. Courtney. And it's online people. Please, <laughs> you just go on YouTube, put in Courtney Gilmore. Oh, it thank will you. <laughs> watch all the stand up that's there. And you will also find this, yeah. this beautiful speech that you gave. And you said something that like, I actually had to rewind it and watch it again. Cause it hits so hard. And so I'm paraphrasing Okay. After I say it's such beautiful wording <laughs> and then I'm like, sorry, viewers and, and listeners, I'm going to paraphrase. <laughs> you were explaining how, or you were sharing how like you realized that you were sort of compiling everybody else's definitions of yourself, of what they were telling you that you were and not at all listening to what you think, who you think you are and what you think about yourself. And that like your self-identity was sort of compiled of like an amalgamation of all of these exterior definitions. Mm -hmm. And I thought, holy shit, I, that <laughs> is so true. And I think actually it wasn't until COVID where we're, where we, do, I don't get as much feedback from audiences or like after a show, mm -hmm. you see your peers or you're seeing your friends every weekend or whatever to have all that feedback from others about myself, not just about like who I am, my beliefs, my personality, but even about my body. Like this has been mm. the first time ever in my life that I have not felt negatively about my body. And it's not that my body's not changing during COVID. Mm. Absolutely it is. But I'm just yeah. having less feedback. And I thought it was like, oh, it was so beautiful how you were sharing that. And I just, I wonder like in moments where you are finding yourself sort of slipping into like caring more about what people think than you feel is healthy or like listening to other people and that feedback, mm -hmm. how do you sort of hold on to like, no, no, I know who I am and who I am is the most important like definition to myself. How do you hold right. that? I mean, yeah. I mean, well, first of all, thank you. Um, oh, yeah. you know, thank I'm glad you. that, 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 you know, helped um, somebody, but it's, it's sort of like an acknowledgement that my life up until now has been 
me trying to please other people and mm. me um, absorbing other people's opinions as if they're my own or perceptions of me as if they're my perceptions of me and or what they should be and mm. realizing that that hasn't been working very well <laughs> even just <laughs> right just real remembering that yeah. that sucked and that yeah. I wanted to change that because yeah. it's putting me in like this victim mentality and it's making me feel like I need to constantly be subservient to other people's um, validation and their opinions mm. and it comes from fear and so when I remember like you know, it, it's an adjustment. It is an adjustment to put yourself first and to say no. What my gut instinct is the one that I should value. So this might sound a little bit cuckoo, but the way that sometimes helps me is to think of my opinion as if it's another person. Yes. Like a friend, like talking to myself like I'm a friend because I know, you know, however many 20 years of my life have gone has gone by. And let's say I spent all of those years really valuing my parents' opinion or my best friend's opinion or whatever. So now that I want to come out of that, I sort of compartmentalize myself and I mm -hmm. just kind of like visualize my higher mind or things that I know that I want to follow through with or truth truths that I want to value over other people's opinions. I just sort of be like, get characterize them as mm. if they are extensions of myself or I'm just another friend and so I say hey this person is saying to do this but it's really just you but it kind of like it's just like a mind game that it helps me um listen to myself and still feel like that satisfaction of pleasing somebody yeah realizing the pleasing somebody is me you it's, know you. it's I mean? like a it's like a baby step it's like okay yeah. well I'm not quite there yet to just be like well I want this so I'm gonna do it it's like a yeah. baby step to being like well you should do this and really it's yeah. just yourself but yeah, yeah. that's and brilliant instead of, <laughs> instead of taking like a poll of like oh should I do this like yeah. I, I take a poll of my own mind of like well I think that this you know you can give you can give them another name yeah Kayla says that Kayla like, <laughs> says that What's I should up, do Kayla this? Gilmore up yeah. in there. Well, yeah, it's like I'm even I'm yeah, you have a whole town hall up in yeah, there. Exactly. You're like, all what right, everybody, settle down. Let's settle down. Settle down. Agree on the consensus here. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. like whatever, like be creative. I used to be really scared of being outside of the box and creative mm. in terms of how I think because I thought well that's not normal so mm. it, if, if it's not normal it must be bad mm. um, but it's not like whatever you got to do to open up your mind and, and and depend on yourself and realize I mean there have been a lot of liberating thoughts for me that kind of sound um, depressing but to me they're not like just knowing that I am really at the end of the day all that I have but mm. And then if that feels uncomfortable to me, I say, well, why does that feel uncomfortable? Is it because I've lived most of my life thinking that I'm not enough? And so mm -hmm. why would me being all I have feel good when all I have hasn't felt so good before? So let's just mm -hmm. sit with that and just let myself feel shitty for a minute, but then realize that's very powerful. Me mm -hmm. being all I have is actually very powerful. And I have the power and the freedom to change my mind about things and to yeah, take more control over my life. And then it starts, you know, feeling better incrementally. Incrementally. That's such yeah. an important point. Yeah. I, I was complaining to my therapist a couple of weeks ago, like, why is this taking so long? Like, I know <laughs> I have this habit that I don't like, 
Why isn't it gone after I realize it? She's like, yeah, be patient with yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I keep getting huge chunks of ice. Great for a podcast. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> no. But listen, like maybe someone's really into ASMR and maybe they'll hear That's the ice true. cubes. <laughs> I, I, oh my God, I hate getting ice, ice cubes in my, it's actually why when I was a kid, like I, if I would ever get a pop at like a restaurant or whatever, and they mm-hmm. put it in a cup, I always wanted a straw. And now it like, you know, turtles save turtles. So I have like a, you know, a, yeah. um, reusable one but right. I hate like it gets too cold on my teeth you don't like ice okay can I tell you yes okay please. you know how like there's like memes going around asking people like what's the most unhinged thing you've been doing <laughs> during the pandemic? Yes, yes yes I've been dying to confess this because it's <gasps> so ridiculous but and so small but but I've developed this like <laughs> very specific particular habit that I do almost all day, every day. If what? I'm home. Oh so, my God. I'm so excited. Courtney. Okay. So, <laughs> so I, I love ice, but you're mm. not supposed to like, just be chomping down on like huge chunks of ice. That's right. like great for your teeth, but okay. I realized that I like ice in like flat, not cubes, kind of more like flat, um, squares kind of like, like, Oh, not, like a shot. Okay. Not crushed, not crushed ice, but like f- more just like really flat and thin, really thin and flat, like little, like a little rectangles. Crate. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Like little rectangles. That's so better. To get, yeah. So to achieve that effect, <laughs> yeah. you can't, you can like, so I fill up an ice tray, not even halfway, like really <laughs> the drops, drops of it, like maybe four or five drops, like good <laughs> solid drops of water in each square. And then, and then I freeze them. And then when I take them out after like an hour, I take them out. And then this is what happens. I have to I eat them, but it has to be out of one gla- one cup. It's like this tall blue cup that I have. I will yeah. not drink them out of any other cup. I've tried. <laughs> it's not the same effect. So I put them in this tall blue cup and even just the crackling of getting them out and kind of like banging them against the counter and like crackling to get them out and then pouring them from the tray to the, t- the tall, that's half the amazing experience is just it's not even part. eating them it's, it's just getting even, them out getting them out is like a very satisfying crackle then you get them into the glass and sometimes if I get if I accidentally made too big of one mm. I will take that chunk and throw it into the <laughs> cup and then it breaks and then it breaks other ones <laughs> <laughs> and then I go on my couch and I watch the circle and I eat yes. these ice chips that's what they are. They're like chips. And like it's chips, just like, yeah. and it's like a snack. It's, and I do this like six times a day. It's so unhinged. <laughs> it's so crazy. I realize how crazy it sounds, but like, I, I don't know why I started doing that, but I, I like, I wait, I'm Amanda. I wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh good. I'm going to get my morning ice <laughs> chips. <laughs> It's insane. And like, don't, okay. My first thought is like, if you're putting them in so thin, like don't, yeah. Don't you have to be so careful when you take them out that they'll just like shatter. Okay. So there's like enough heft to them that they, if they shatter, that's actually a good thing. Oh, I, I, oh, I, I see. kind of like the little shards. Right, so it's right, not, right, that's right. not a problem. They don't have to be intact. I just don't want the, a whole <laughs> cup of crushed ice. I just want like a good proportion, a good portion of chips. Okay. The only- and then I just <laughs> eat them. <laughs> 
I'm thinking, I'm like, Courtney, are you pregnant? The only thing that I think of with, but I, you know what, but I don't think like pregnant women like ice chips. I think it's just like the only thing they'll give them in hospitals when they're in labor. I know. I know. Right. They always say they always, which also, is it American to, to call ice cubes ice chips? Because I, I think for the longest time, they said ice chips. And I was like, what are they really talking about? Are they talking oh, about ice cubes? Uh, oh, I just thought, you know, when you can go, you know, those like the fancy fridges that have like yeah. cubed or, oh, it's crushed. Or, like it's crushed not, though. Yeah, I was thinking it says chips. It's not chips. No, they say crushed. But then on, on, in every American show, they always say, do you want some, can I get you some ice chips? That's so true. I just always assume they were crushed. I would bet money that the hospitals are all making making their ice chips how you are. Yeah, I think so. I I discovered a new snack. So I just eat water all day in this (laughs) chip form. And I can't. And one time I tried it from another glass. And for some reason, it has to be this blue cup. I don't know why. Yeah, I, what is it, it about the blue cup? I don't know. It's the maybe it's the, because I don't know <laughs> oh, the material gosh. of it. I like the way the ice like falls from it. I don't know. Mm. I don't know, but it just does not affect <laughs> any other way. So that once I started realizing what I was doing, I was like, "This is nuts." This but, is a meme. You know what though? <laughs> like I'm thinking, okay, well you're staying hydrated. I mean, I that's great. I, I'm eating a lot of them. And they're so thin that like, it's just like crunching candy. Like it's, they're so thin. Yeah. They're, barely, they're almost like melting before you even, but I don't know. I love Ooh, it. It's like cotton candy. Like yeah, that's almost sad. It's like, it's like you're constantly chasing it. Cause once you put it in your mouth, you crush it, but then it's sort of just gone and you yeah. got to get another one. And I like that sensation too, where it's kind of yeah. like, crunching a little bit, but then it's melted and it's very refreshing. Yeah. This you is know, what I, st- <laughs> I started, <laughs> I started. I start. I also really appreciate you, like the premiere of that being here. I <laughs> really do waiting. appreciate. I've been waiting for my chance. So I was like, what? I was like, do I tweet about it? Do yeah. I post it on Instagram? I don't know if it's like a problem or just a ha- like a pandemic habit that's gonna fade. I have gone through other. I I was really big into bubble tea at the beginning of the pandemic mm. for a long time. I mean, I still like it, but I was drinking a lot of it. <laughs> Do you think it's the tapioca little balls? Yep. I love boba. Yeah. Okay. It. So yeah. it's like interesting because I feel like those are a little bit similar. They are, but ice is better for you. Well, I mean, because ice is just mm. water. So yeah. I'm hydrating myself too much tapioca is not yeah. great for you. You can no, have it in fair. moderate dosages, but. I yeah. feel like in like a few years, I'm going to turn on, I'm well, in a few years, I'm going to get cable and then I'm going to turn on like TLC and it's going to be this documentary of like. <laughs> you and it's you know those like the like oh this girl she my eats strange paper. addiction yes mm-hmm. my strange addiction yeah. that's exactly the show yep. eating paper or like she sleeps beside a hairdryer and it burns her all the time <laughs> i used to love that show me too it was so weird and you're like how are you still alive yes. some people were like full-on e- like eating um detergent and yes. like and styrofoam yeah and you're like what yes. are you doing and then Maybe. people will be like Oh, don't, you know, don't have, oh, you're having chocolate once a day. I'm like, get out. Like it's a food. Like and I'm fine. Yeah. I'm not going to, yeah. or yeah. Or people will be like, you know, you really should exercise more. No one's saying that. I'm saying that to myself in my yeah. little, like, um, uh, little town hall I'm holding, right. um, that person gets kicked out all the time, but yeah, I'm like, <laughs> no, I don't need to work out. Some people eat styrofoam every day and yeah, they're fine. They're fine. Yeah. It's going to be fine. Um, yeah. 
Oh, I freaking love learning that. That is amazing. And also I started, um, I started freezing, like just, I'll have two ice cube trays, ice chip mm-hmm. trays, um, yep. in my freezer. And one of them I've started freezing coffee. So that when I want to have iced coffee, yes. I just fill it up with that coffee cubes. Yeah. Yes. Coffee cubes, mm-hmm. um, or coffee chips, you know, who yeah, knows, yeah. <laughs> but I'm thinking maybe I'll make really thin ones and then I can like chew on my coffee. There you go. See, it's a phenomenon. I think I've I started actually, something. I might have. I'm yeah. actually, uh, I only have one good ice tray. I mm. have one of those. I have two, but the other one is one of those, like, um, the pockets are like, um, really small and really round, like circular. Oh, and that's not uh, what I'm going for. I need no. the chips. I need the rectangular yeah. chips. So I, yeah. need, I need to get another ice tray. <laughs> I'm, I'm at that point of it that I'm upgrading yeah. my equipment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the spherical, or the, the cylindrical one is not going to yeah. work. You need more surface area on yeah. the bottom. hundred exactly. percent. Yeah. All right. So everybody on Patreon, if you could donate, because we need to get Courtney <laughs> the perfect, tray. yeah, another ice tray and ideally like a rectangular one. Yes. So the bottom has lots of surface area. Yes. Okay. I love this so much. I can't, I cannot (laughs) wait to send you that in the mail. I can't wait to message you and be like, could you send me your PO box or your mailing address? Or like, oh where can God. I drop this off? I would love it. Send it over. Gift yes. Oh man, that'd be amazing. For sure. <laughs> Very um, sentimental. So, okay. So I know, so cut to now where you're like, professional comedian you've been a professional comedian for many many years but like making a like full-time comedian that was my wording that I was trying to go for um Mm -hmm. making a living off of it on the road and here's the thing Mm -hmm. like when I was growing up I dreamed of being like doing stand-up I've done it a few times but like doing stand-up is something that was my like biggest fear. Like if I watch like the bachelor or things and they're like, you're going to do a stand-up show. I literally was like, I would quit. Like, there's no <laughs> fucking way I would do my future yeah. partner would never make me do that. Like I would get so scared, but also mm-hmm. I found myself, I would watch stand-up comedians and I would dream about doing it. Like I realized mm-hmm. it really was like two sides of the coin, but one mm-hmm. thing I always heard them talking about was being on the road. And yeah. like, what is, what is this really like Courtney? Like being on the road, what's like your favorite part, your least favorite part? Like, what <laughs> oh is boy. it like being on the road? Think back pre COVID when yeah. you're on the road. I know it's a weird time it to ask you so, that. It sounds so like glam and profesh, like on the road. I'm on the yeah. road. This month. Yeah. That is like one of the things that you look forward to being able to say yeah the road this month um I like it I really like it it's not for everyone I think there's a certain point in your comedy career where Mm. you you kind of discover what type of a comic you are and there's like not that you can't cross be like cross identify but like there's club comics road comics Mm. um like alt comics and like like different different spaces that that more accommodate certain styles Mm. um so like you know like club comedy um you know places like yuck yucks like some people are completely content on just doing the rounds on you know at those clubs every night um and then some people uh really thrive by traveling a lot and being on the road a lot um and I've dabbled in a lot of that and I really I do enjoy um you know, doing small town gigs and traveling for comedy and being on the road. I got to do a really cool tour with Just for Laughs, uh, the road show a couple of mm. years ago with um, three American comics. And um, 
that was a lot of fun. And I think the best part of it is um, when you're with good people, mm. it, it almost doesn't really matter how the shows go. Like you obviously want them to go well, but like sometimes it's really fun to bomb in like some really small town that just hates you but you're with really <laughs> funny people and you're just sort of making a, a, a spectacle of it with like it's mm. like an experience with them mm-hmm. and you really get to know people intimately you know yeah. um like on that on that tour I, I was with three other guys and it was just night after night different a different town every night um for a few weeks and um you just get to know people in a new way. You find ways to um, to bond and you find out interesting things about each other. You know, it's you're in a car with them, you're eating with them, you're staying overnight with them, you're getting up early with them and then you're watching them do really well and watching them do not so well, like mm-hmm. all in one, you know, stretch of time. So it really, it really stretches you. It's a really good time for like expanding yourself as a comic, so. I've really enjoyed that. Um, I, I will, I'll say this negative experience only because it's funny to me now, but <laughs> when, um, I think one of the hardest times I've had being on the road was fresh off a really intense breakup mm. uh, where I was having like, um, 2017 was probably one of my best uh, professional years of my life. Like there was just Mm. a lot that happened that year. I just happened to have a whole bunch of credits coincide all within 12 months, like just for laughs and different tapings and and festivals and going on the road. And, uh, I had, someone had broken up with me in in December and Mm. January, like January, like fifth, I had to leave and like start this new, year Mm. traveling for comedy and I just didn't I couldn't have thought of anything I wanted to to do less than that (laughs) I just I didn't know how I was going to do it because Mm. I was like I just feel so broken spirited right now I don't want to be doing this um but I I was contractually obligated (laughs) yeah I was like I I have to just pull it together and Mm. You know, it ended up being really healing for me in a weird way because mm-hmm. I was able to distract myself. I was surrounded by really funny people and I was able to just focus on what I love. And I mean, there were some hard nights where I had to go back to my hotel room and just like go right to sleep because I just did not want my, I didn't want my mind to to mm-hmm. go where I didn't want it to go. Um, but yeah it was tough though like the first couple of weeks I was like I just don't even know how I feel I felt like I was going on autopilot where Mm. you just don't have any choice you just have to turn the comedy on you just have to do it I don't Mm -hmm. even know how else to describe it it's like you you just do it you just say I'm gonna go on stage I'm gonna tell my jokes I'm gonna try and bring myself into this now moment as much as I can be as Mm -hmm. present as possible and that's it. And I was proud of myself for just doing that because mm. it was really tough getting going. But um, but I leaned into it and it, it ended up making me a better comic, I think, pushing through. Mm. Um, and I was glad I didn't quit. And um, and that was that was one tour. It was me, um, 
a comedian named uh, Nathan McIntosh, who's so funny, mm. lives in New York now, and uh, Nick Nemiroff. And mm. but I don't. If anyone knows all three of us, we are three completely different comedians, <laughs> <laughs> like very, very, very different styles. And so it was us continuously on the same shows night after night. Um, and uh, and some of a lot of them were really rough, really mm. rough, like just really small town venues that didn't really get us <laughs> like all three of you they were just yeah. like no you know um, what well it's not like we didn't have good nights ever and like mm-hmm. Nathan was always mostly headlining and like he did he did well too but it was just we never there was never a night where we came off feeling like relieved like oh, it was always yeah. worse always yeah. work just like pulling and pulling and pulling giving the most that we had to feel mm-hmm. a modicum of, of uh, you know confidence at the end of the night and um so but you know beginning to know them and like having breakfast with them in the morning and just like feeling that bond between us mm. uh, really helped me during a really difficult time in my life and so um yeah, I, I, I like taking those opportunities because I think that um, even if you're the kind of comic who doesn't think that you can uh, win over an audience who is completely outside of your de- demographic, which most of those shows were, mm. um, it's, it's so much fun to try because mm. it's just, it just grows you and it just, it, it really helps you sharpen your skills so that, you know, you feel like you're being thrown to the wolves in a way. <laughs> feel very self-sufficient because you're like if I can do this after this I can do anything yeah 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 I enjoy it for the challenge but yeah that's that's been mostly my experience on the road is I I really enjoy it um but it can be a a bit of a challenge for sure yeah it sounds like maybe it's an environment where it might be easier to get back into that like anonymous beginners like gutsiness if I'm in this town and tomorrow I'm never coming back to this town I can go and bomb and Mm -hmm. maybe it doesn't even matter because maybe I'll (laughs) never come back to this specific town again you know there is that that freedom of of anonymity sometimes where you're like they don't they don't really know me and they probably aren't going to know me um and like if they do it's not going to be like next week so yeah, there is some freedom in that and just, kind mm-hmm. of, well, I can do whatever I want because there's, yeah. no, there's no um, expectations one way or another. Yeah. And I might yeah. never see these people again. I might so never like, see these people again. I likely won't. And, yeah. yeah. That's my favorite doing yeah. a show, any kind of show for like a group of people that I will never see again. <laughs> cause I'm just yeah. like, great. And then those are usually my best shows. Cause you yeah, just, for sure. you're not you so aware. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Because this like this industry in general can, um, it makes it, or it can push you to think about yourself way more than I think is healthy. And we should mm-hmm. ever think about ourselves. Like, yeah. who am I? What yeah. do I have to offer? Am I Absolutely. this type of person? Am I that it's, yeah. it's so exhausting and like way too, but you're, you're encouraged to do it. So I think yeah. sometimes, yeah. When you don't have the, you don't have people, you know, in the audience where you can think of what are they thinking of me, blah, blah, blah. And it's just yeah. a bunch of strangers. It can be a bit, absolutely a bit yeah. easier there, you know? Please. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hey, have you heard the liquid courage podcast is now on Patreon. 
Patreon is a subscription-based platform that allows you to support your favorite artists while receiving fun, exclusive perks for doing so. Head over to liquidcourage.com to find out more, or go directly to the podcast Patreon page at patreon.com slash liquidcouragepodcast. See you there. You mentioned a breakup and I was listening to a podcast you were on and you were mentioning how, um, you and the host were talking about red flags, like for dating. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you had mentioned, you're like, I rule people out so quickly. Like, and, <laughs> and, and I'm wondering, like, it made me this, laugh the way you was were this my podcast or a different podcast. No, was this on? was on all good. Oh, okay. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah sure. And, um, no, but you know what? You've probably <laughs> said it on your podcast as well, because it would totally be the scenario to talk about yeah. it. And I'm curious, like, what are some of your red flags for dating? And that can be like during COVID online dating that can be pre COVID like meeting. What are like some of your red flags for dating potential dating people? Well, <laughs> So the reason, first of all, why I'm so, for lack of a better term, picky, but it's because I think that actually kind of tags on to what you were just saying about how Mm. comedy allows you to be very self-aware all the time. And so, Mm. you know, we, I feel that, well, not all of us are self-aware, but like, (laughs) if you are in the right state of mind, you know what you like, you know what you don't like, you're, mm. you're in your mind a lot. And so mm-hmm. because of that, I think that I have gotten to know myself very well over the years. And so I don't want to waste time on mm-hmm. a connection that I immediately don't see. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will say, well, like sometimes my girlfriends will be like, well, you're not even giving the, it a chance. And I'm like, oh, yeah, so what? Who cares? Like, what? <laughs> There's why, so many why, people. Who yeah, cares? Exactly. Yeah. Why do yeah. I need to give something a chance that I already don't have a good feeling about? Yeah. Like, I highly doubt. And like, and that this is not to say that there's no exception to this rule, but like, I'm rarely wrong about the connection <laughs> that that I didn't feel. I, I've never, I've never been like, oh, I gave them a second date and now we're happily ever after. Like it's mm-hmm. usually I'm pretty dead on, and it's not necessarily that I'm noticing flaws in them. It's just like there's no, there's something missing. Yeah, and um, and so red flag wise, uh, I guess the the cool Gen Z. <laughs> term for it recently would be like a pick me uh if you know what a pick no please help me what's that it's like okay there's different like gendered variations of this but like a pick me guy would be like it's like the guy who's trying to get all of your attention but it's coming it's born out his need for your attention is like born out of his own insecurities and so he's like He's the kind of guy who who's like all guys finish last and like oh I'm so ugly but like you're you're so beautiful and like oh. I can't believe I get a chance with you like kind of like building you up in a kind of a fake way because he wants you to validate him. Yes. It's just very transparent. I I'm really I think I'm good at reading people's mm. energy. And when I sniff out that someone is masking an insecurity and presenting it as like bravado, mm-hmm. it drives me crazy. <laughs> drives me crazy. When someone is not recognizing how they're coming off and that they're yeah. like, oh my God, like when you're going to regret asking me this because we're going to go <laughs> no, on. I, like I love hour. this. No, I love this. <laughs> like when people, it's like, okay, a, a thing that uh girls do this too all genders do this I'm sure but like I noticed it a lot in guys though it's like um so if they're into video games or Mm. Star Wars or whatever things instead of like 
sharing their interests with me because they're genuinely trying to bond with me and like mm. maybe if I'm interested in them too and or like hey like I you know I saw this cool article or I'm into this video game what do you think about it instead of that they'll be like oh my god I'm such a nerd like I oh. I love this thing I'm such a nerd like lol I'm such a geek like oh you don't, probably don't even want to be with someone like me because I'm like such a nerd like I, I'm into science and space so I'm like you you know you wouldn't understand and I'm like that drives me crazy yes and I never want to respond you know what it feels like it feels like somebody and I don't even play sports but you know how you like I think it's called like you set someone up in volleyball to like yes. spike the ball. Spike it feels yep. like someone is setting up a ball in my face yep. constantly. And I'm like, I don't want to <laughs> fucking play volleyball. Fuck off. Yes. Like, and it makes me, it makes, I, I, I turn into a not nice person around those guys, especially, oh my God, especially yeah. because most of them that I meet are all, um, screenwriters and they want me to be look at look at look at my face right now. I'm so red. Cause I'm, there's, there's like a few, like yeah. I'm air quoting directors yeah. and screenwriters yeah. who are like this <laughs> yeah they'll say it and I want to you know if they're like oh but like you said oh but yeah oh my god I'm such a fucking nerd like you probably don't want to yeah. hang out with me you because like I like this thing you yeah. honestly you probably like ew you probably hate me now yeah it yeah. makes oh. me want to be like oh. yeah I do no. you're a piece yeah. of shit and I hate you that's what yeah. it makes me want to do I turn into yes. an awful and I don't say it but I turn into an awful human being. <laughs> but it's because it's because you oh. and I'm like this too. I want to call it out because I cannot yeah. handle the the mask of it. Like yeah. I don't like having that between us and me. I like I'm like I know what you're doing, <laughs> and then a lot of the time too, mm. it's stuff that I I am interested in genuinely. Oh, I love science and space and like things like that. Like yeah. I love that stuff, and you're not. It's like a superiority complex. Mm. Um, it's like their way of being like, oh, you're, especially because I'm a comedian, a lot of guys will just assume that I'm only into like artsy stuff mm. or whatever. And um, and no, I have a wide variety of interests and things that I like to read and, and stuff and follow. And I'll call it out and be like, look, I actually am interested in that stuff too. And then they'll be like, oh, well, I'm just not used to girls like, being into that stuff like but oh it's my always God. a woe is me it's always yes. that oh yes. sorry it's just like everyone hates me everyone hates so. me like I'm just so used to girls like being mad at me for liking that stuff yeah so, yeah like, oh okay now oh. you're this is a crazy guy so you know what okay. it feels like it feels like they want me to be their mom and I hate yes. it and I'm literally just talking about even like friendships and what's mm-hmm. so frustrating like infuriating about it is that mm-hmm. Because I know, like you're saying, it's born out of, it's from an insecurity. Like it's a survival mechanism, a coping mechanism. Then I feel like the bitch. But then I argue with myself, town hall again. I get in it. I'm like, we need a fucking emergency meeting. Am I being a bitch? (laughs) Emergency meeting. And the problem is like, like most behavior could be, you know, argued down to insecurity. Yes, that's very true. Most problematic behavior, if you are really going to look at it through like a curious and empathetic lens, it's Uh going to end up being, well, because they're insecure and they just want acceptance and love and whatever. And I'm like, at what point am I allowed 
to tell this incel that I hate him? Like at what point <laughs> am I, do, what, at what point do I get I to know. stop being their mother and therapist and I get to just take care of my own fucking shit and not theirs? Yeah, I, I know for sure. And I mean, I would not recommend just <laughs> taking on the role of therapist. However, right, right. I do like to call it out for what it is. Not because I'm trying, I really want to mm-hmm. fix them, but because I, I like, even if it's to no avail, even if there's no um, productivity that comes out of it, I want mm-hmm. them, if for some reason, I need them to know that I know what they're doing and I'm not, I don't want to have this conversation. I don't yes. want to play the volleyball. I just can't. Yeah, I like, physically cannot do that. Maybe in my, when I was 21, I could yeah, do that. Yeah. I don't have time for it now. So yeah. I'm not playing the whole manic pixie dream girl role where, <laughs> where if, if you finally, uh, if you finally accept that I'm into your nerdery, now you're going to be like, oh, you're so, so you're not like other girls you're you're you you know that then that just turns into a whole a whole other thing and yeah. that I don't like where yeah. it's like oh just all my ex-girlfriends just didn't get me and I guess you do I'm just not used to someone getting me it always yeah. comes back to them you know yeah. well that's what I was gonna say like I think what's so because yeah and, and when I have any sort of dialogue with people who are having that behavior mm-hmm. I often will just I swear, I promise I'll be nice about it, but I'll just be, but more transparent. It's like, you know, how you can kill it with kindness. It's like, let's just kill it with straight up transparency and say, how come you're putting yourself down? Like, I'll just ask them, but exactly what you, exactly what you said. Look, some of the bullshit just like came out of my mouth. It's just like, see, like rid yourself (laughs) of it. But like exactly what you said, I think that's the problem or that's not the problem, but that's what makes me feel like it's not worth my energy because mm-hmm. I know that it, I'm like an insert female here. Like it, I doesn't matter whether yeah. it's me, whether it's you, whether it's whoever mm-hmm. in those situations when they're like, yes. Oh, well, I just, I just never had a girl who didn't hate me because I love star Wars. First of all, whether I love star Wars or not, then I don't want to talk with you about it. But in that moment, I'm like, I'm not even here. You don't give a shit because as soon as I validate you, mm-hmm. it's like, you're fantasizing me. Like, or you're, what's the word? Like it basically just, if I, if I validate you, you're just falling yeah. in love with the idea of me. You're just making me whoever you think I am in your head. And you don't actually care who I am. You're not seeing me in this picture at all. You know how, you know how I like to knock them down a peg in mm-hmm. that situation <laughs> is I like to tell them, I like to sort of make them think or suggest and this is not a lie. Like this is real. Like if they go, mm-hmm. if they go that route, being like, "Oh, it's just so rare to find a girl who's like into science or whatever," I will be like, "I won't entertain that." I'll be like, "That's weird." I know lots of girls. Yes. Stuff. I actually. That's weird that you don't. That's weird that you've only ever attracted girlfriends who like <laughs> hate you. What's wrong with you? That I mean, I don't yes. say that, but I am. I say things to imply that what they're saying is nonsense without yes. overtly saying it by being like, I actually know a lot of science. I have friends who are in science, who are in the field. I have friends who are doctors. I have friends who are in comic book club. Like. It, it it's too bad that you don't know more girls. Yeah. Maybe you should join some kind of online community because yeah. it's actually very strange that you don't know more girls who are into the things you're into. That's yeah. weird, and Look I make them feel harder. fucking strange as hell yeah. so that they don't so that they don't you know like 
isolate me as like this weird dream girl, you know? Yes. It's so, I think to them, they think that every girl wants to hear that they are that dream. And I'm like, they do not, I do do not that I'm, I feel uncomfortable. I feel uncomfortable. And I feel like there's something wrong with you. Yeah. That, That you feel that there's only one girl who's into the stuff you're into. And there's only one girl who yeah. can get you. Your very basic interests. That, yeah. by the way, ev- ner- being a nerd is trendy and cool now. You're not yeah. a guy being slammed against a locker, uh, you yeah. know, in the 90s. Like, do you know uh, how many people like Star Wars? Look how many movies there are. Yes. Everybody likes Star it's Wars. It's the majority. Like, you're, yeah. you're not special because yes. you like Star Wars. Yes. I was in a, I was in like a Star Wars D&D show and like, mm-hmm. I didn't know much about Star Wars. I have an awful memory. I've seen like all the movies. I just forgot everything yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. And like. I was the minority. I was being made fun of, or I was in the minority. I was not a minority. I was in the minority of not knowing about Star Wars. So it's like, no, I told, I, I am totally there with you. And I can't imagine because the people that I'm thinking about with that, there was no sort of like romantic. It wasn't a date. It it was like professional, whatever. Yeah. It was just meeting people like, yeah, through films or entertainment industry or whatever. But I can't imagine being on a date because I would be so turned off by oh, that dude I've been in full-on relationships with no, guys like that yeah Courtney, no. did you know how far oh no I always knew but like I just sort of treated <laughs> it like knew. it was like <laughs> I just sort of like treated it as an annoyance that yeah was like I don't know yeah you put yep. up a, with a lot for like other reasons I guess listen you know? and we all I mean it's like, you know how you were saying, like, you know, feeling picky, which first of all, I yeah. am totally, for, I'm again, town hall, I'm forcing yeah. my, or like, I'm working towards, I've been calling myself picky lately. Cause I've been looking mm. for an apartment and, okay. uh, my therapist was like, maybe you just want to make sure that you love the place you live in. Like, yeah. and picky can be positive. So anyway, I'm, yeah. I'm shoving that at myself, yeah. shoving that at myself for my therapist. Um, but, um, Oh my God. What was I even going to say? I have had a lot of Malibu now. Like I can, yeah, I can I know. taste it. I'm loving it. I'm actually loving yeah, this drink. Yeah. For me, it's like a light drink that I don't feel like I'm going to hit the floor with really. I'm sure like there was that tipping point if I went through like another bottle of it, right. but like, I don't Fair. feel this isn't the drink that I've been super sloppy with in the past. Yes. You know, with being picky or like, I think there is that pressure from friends or I hear it where it's like, well, you haven't given them a chance. I'm the first mm-hmm. to tell my friends like, okay, cool. Your gut instinct says, no, let's move on. There's millions of yes. other people. You don't owe anyone a, ch- a second chance. No. And I think the fear is that, oh, and I should also say I have been, I've been in a monogamous relationship for a very long time. So me giving okay. dating advice to anybody also, I'm <laughs> like, listen, I have, I have no place to give you this, but, th- but yeah. I'm saying move on. <laughs> like yeah. it's so easy, but yeah. I think there's that like you start to second guess yourself. Cause I do this even outside of relationships. Like, oh, am I becoming Chandler from friends where he's mm. like, oh, I broke up with a girl because her two, <laughs> yeah, yeah. her, I don't know, her, her ears nose, were asymmetric, yeah, you like, know, or like she said she liked something. sourdough. Yeah. And yeah. then he becomes like yeah. the neighbor who died. Anyway, I think that's the yeah. fear is that, oh, am I becoming a person who's being picky for no reason, but I'm here to tell all of you that is not true. That's a no, lie. Like a we're lie. just, it's just easy to feel that way, but you're not like, trust your gut and just say no to people. There's so many people. There's so many people. And that's what it is. It's a fear of scarcity. I'm scared that if I'm too particular, it's so weird though. Cause it's like, 
if I'm, I'm scared that if I don't give someone a chance, mm. even though I don't really like them, I'm going to end up with someone I don't like. But yeah, because you're, you're not being particular enough. Like, and it's all doubting. It's like, oh, well, if I'm dating this person, maybe I went on a couple dates with this person and I don't mm-hmm. really feel anything, but what if I didn't give them a chance and I was wrong and I gave up too early? You got to just make a decision and double down so hard on it that you're like your own cheerleader. And if that happens, a lot Mm -hmm. of the time what I notice, especially with like girlfriends, the context that it seems to be in the most often when they say like, what if I made a mistake? What if Mm -hmm. I was wrong? They're usually talking about a situation where they were not even scrutinizing the other person. They were scrutinizing themselves in that moment and sort of like, what if I messed it up? Like, what if mm. I didn't say the right thing? And that's how I messed it up. But you're not like, what about, what if they did? What if I you know, know what about you, their part in this? Yes. Examine them. Were they exactly what you want? Or are you super worried that they don't like you? What if you don't like them? And yes. you just spent the entire date wanting them to perceive you a certain way. Yeah. When I think you should be thinking more about how your connection is with them and if you actually want to spend more time with them, like instead of making it all about how you fucked up, you know? Yeah. It's not a job interview to see if they're going to hire you as yeah. like their partner. Like it's you go in and you're like, thing. yeah, you're going to spend time with them. You're also going to be like, you're going to open yourself up safety wise yeah. to them, ideally, mm-hmm. if you would like. So we got to filter them. And I, I've had, uh, I know people who gave someone a second, like you, you definitely hear stories of like, you know, like love stories where on their wedding day, they'll say something like, oh, you know, he asked me out for months or she asked me mm-hmm. out for months. And I said, no, because I didn't see them that way. And then all of a sudden we were stuck in an elevator or something. <laughs> and then we yeah, got yeah. to know each other. And then I, that I, you know, that opportunity, I personally will believe will present itself to you mm-hmm. without you forcing it. Yeah. And, and not, I don't mean that in like a, a divine, like if it's meant to be, I mean, if you believe in that, that's cool. But like, I think more or less, just like if two people connect, they will naturally create an opportunity to reconnect mm-hmm. um, that won't feel so forced rather than, you know, trying to shoehorn a second chance because you feel desperate, you know, I think you'll just naturally sort of be like magnetically pulled to each other. Yeah. Yeah, You'll just end up and maybe it'll be better timing for both of you too. Like maybe it'll just, yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I'm curious during pandemic, you and Dan Curtis Thompson, another Mm -hmm. comedian started, um, X, the X rated podcast, which Mm -hmm. is so freaking fabulous. It's so fun. Thank you. Thank you for for creating it. (laughs) Um, so a podcast where two real, real life exes Mm -hmm. review and rate X's in like TVs, TV and movie. Well, I guess pop culture, like it it, it could potentially be in books and all these things. So, okay. So my first question, I'm curious because I know that you and Dan are like, you know, have a friendship post breakup. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Dan. Hi, yeah. Dan. Yeah. is lovely. <laughs> He's not listening. Are but. you? <laughs> Dan, you better be listening. He might be. I'm sure you will. <laughs> Dan, if you're listening to this right now, send me a message. Okay. Are you typically friends with your exes? Do you find that you typically like become friends with them afterwards? Not with all of them, mm. but 
I I do like to be when I can. Um, I don't make it a point to try to uh, construct or fabricate a friendship where it doesn't feel natural to do so. But yeah, like for the most part, I've dated a lot of good eggs. I feel oh. in my life, and yeah, there have been there have been quite a few who have stuck around as friends, and it hasn't been awkward. Usually, there's maybe a little bit of time in between for us to, you know go our separate ways and have mm-hmm. some feeling but yeah like I like being friends with exes I know that sort of well in doing this podcast with Dan mm. like we've realized it's a pretty taboo people <laughs> aren't really on board with it oh really I think it's oh, amazing yeah. that you're it's both a, able to yeah no they're they're on board with us um mm. but they think that we're like unicorns like they don't <laughs> think it's a regular thing that can happen until finally well I don't know how the, much this swayed people but you know, we always talk about it and we're like, listen, we're not suggesting that you need to be friends with all your exes or that you need to reach out to people you don't want to reach out to or if you've been, <laughs> like you know, a friendship. Yeah. yeah like everyone yeah. has different situations. And for, I understand totally. There are some people you just don't want to go down that road with. And that's mm-hmm. totally fine. You have to do what's good for you, but it's not as rare as I don't think it has to be as rare as people think. And, mm-hmm. uh, a couple months ago, uh, Sarah Silverman on her podcast posted a clip where she was talking about this exact thing. And she, oh. someone asked how, you know, how she's able to be such close friends with a couple of her, her exes, like very significant relationships. And she just said, like, it's just a thing that she's always accepted. And it's kind of runs in her family, like her sister does it too. And mm. she said, she told a really beautiful story about how her parents got divorced and post-divorce her mom went on to remarry and Mm -hmm. her mom and dad were still best friends um Mm -hmm. during the whole process and during the remarriage and the her mom even in her old age would still go over to her dad's house and her mom would like clip his nails and stuff like that and do like little grooming things for him and his her stepmom would like or stepdad yeah would like drive them like they would both like they were all friends like there was like a three you know and and nobody was awkward about it and she said that like even on one of her parents I think it was her dad's like deathbed he was like holding hands with the mom and the and the new step parent was there and they were all just like really cool with each other and like really loved each other and I was like that's such a nice thing yeah And, um, and I think that there's room for all kinds of different relationship dynamics and Mm -hmm. um it's good to be open to them because there's you know situations like that can happen and that's I think it's really nice yeah I think too if you operate under the intention of at least having like an amicable caring relationship with the person Mm -hmm. even if you part ways I think it actually would affect how you treat them during the relationship as well instead Mm -hmm. of thinking like what we would break up and then never see you again. And I don't give a shit and goodbye. Like, yes, I think it actually would probably make you treat people a little nicer. For sure. Sometimes you just grow apart and it doesn't have to be this big catastrophe, you know, or a failure at all. It could just be like a beautiful time that both people or multiple Mm -hmm. people all got to spend in a committed relationship together. And it's a fucking victory. I don't think that things have to last forever for them to Mm -hmm. have been wonderful. Like exactly. 
have to get that out of there that if it doesn't last forever, yes. it's a failure. It's a failure. Absolutely. Huge oh, on that. Huge. Yeah, it's yeah. not a personal or moral failing when mm-hmm. a relationship ends. And no. I think the more we normalize that, mm-hmm. I think if we normalized divorce and breakups as potentially amicable situations mm-hmm. where possible for them to be, mm-hmm. there would one be less of them because they're yeah. it's such you'd be so much less pressure then. You get married and it's like, we have to make this work otherwise, you know? And mm-hmm. I think if we were more comfortable with the idea that nothing lasts forever, like one mm. of you is going to die, even if you're married forever. Like, yeah, yeah. Not everyone point, dies like the notebook where everyone exactly. dies at the same time. It doesn't yeah. happen to everybody. Yeah. So if we were more comfortable with that, I think that people would not be so like clinging on to each other so mm. tightly. And when, you know, when, when, when it is a time to let go, or if there's a time to let go, it doesn't have to be as devastating. It's of course allowed to be Mm -hmm. devastating. I'm not advocating for, you know, never pursuing long lasting monogamous relationships. I think that's Mm -hmm. a beautiful thing, but Mm -hmm. um, it's also can be a beautiful thing to just part ways and and that's okay. And just feel like this is a person who I had a really beautiful experience with. Yeah. Just entertaining different terminology. Like you just did instead of like, we broke up. It's like, oh, we parted ways. Yeah. We had, you know, know, for as much shit as Gwyneth Paltrow gets for the whole (laughs) conscious uncoupling thing. I actually, and like, I'm not like a big, like a pro fan, but like there's something to changing language. I definitely do something to changing language. And I think that we have the luxury to do so with relationships. Mm. We can do whatever, we can make them whatever we want right now. Mm. It's not about the exchange of property or ownership, (laughs) or it's not even about procreation anymore. It can be about whatever you want. And so like, why not design it the way that works the best for you? Like, why why not take full advantage of that? Absolutely. What makes you and the other person or people in that relationship with you happy have that situation. Is it an open relationship? It is, is it, is it a monogamous relationship? Is it a polynamic, like whatever, or, or not defining it under any of those terms. Cause sometimes there's just not going to be the right term until 20 years from now. And then you're going to be like, Oh, that's what what it was. You know, that's what it was. So Uh absolutely. It's like, it's your relationship. It's your, (laughs) you know, yeah. A hundred, hundred percent. I totally agree. For sure. On the season two finale of the Rated X podcast. So mm-hmm. the two best couples that were going head to head were Monica and Chandler from Friends. Yes. And Ben and Leslie from Parks and yes. Rec. I am a huge fan of both of those shows. Massive, massive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of your abilities, like y- both you and Dan, your abilities to like recall things. I was so appreciating. <laughs> I was loving it. I was like, Yes, they did think his name was Toby. Like, I just loved. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but Dan kind of forced you to do a little uh, fuck, kill, date, and marry of right. those four people. Yeah. You chose to fuck Monica, kill Chandler, date uh-huh. Leslie, and marry Ben. And I'm yes. wondering, because he kind of put you on the spot. So I was yeah. so curious, like, he did. And you were even like, this isn't fun. Like, what are you like? <laughs> you know, what like, the I hell? He's like, it's a fun game. You're great. like, for who? <laughs> <I know. laughs> he like, loves doing that, putting me on the spot. And because yeah. he knows that I don't, he knows that I like being planned and I like being yeah, like notes and, yeah. notes and stuff. Yeah. yeah. He likes to just fly with it. And yeah. I hate it. <laughs> well, I'm wondering, okay, so good. So Dan 
since mm-hmm. you are listening, screw yes. you. We're giving her a second, a, a, a moment now. Okay. Um, do you stand by that choice or would you switch it? So, okay. So I married Ben. Um, you married Ben. Yeah. I think my reasoning for that, although, wait, who did it? What was I doing with Chandler? You, <laughs> uh, you, I, and I was literally, uh, you murdered him. You killed him. I killed him. Right. You killed okay. Chandler. Yeah. Yeah. So that I could um, marry Ben and fuck Monica. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like, yeah. So and you I didn't marry have ben. Leslie in it at all. And you were dating Leslie. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because he added date, like, because he there's added, four people. Because there's four. Okay. Yeah. Because okay. there's four. So he's like dating. He said, like, a date would just be you go out on a couple dates, but not really anymore. I mean, I'm a little iffy on dating Leslie. Because oh, I think that Leslie is all in on relationships. And mm. so it, wouldn't, it, it couldn't really actually be like a casual right. thing for long. Right. She wouldn't allow it to be wouldn't a casual allow it thing. To be. Yeah, so true. So maybe true. I would switch her, maybe I would switch her with Monica, maybe. Because I think mm. Monica would actually be more open to, well, no, she's huge on marriage. Yeah. Yeah. No, and could you really, and like, would Leslie have a one night stand? I mean, maybe she would, but maybe I, well, she would. you know what? Maybe she would actually. Yeah, she could. Maybe she, I don't think she's incapable of it. Yeah. Certainly not. I think Monica is more about, at least Monica is more expressly and, and vocally for marriage. Whereas like yeah. you, you, Leslie, there's the suggestion of it. Like once she's found someone like, ben. yes. So, so true. maybe I would I mean, I, I love Chandler, but like, I just can't, no, we're not, we're not even negotiating. We're not even like, all right, should we switch Chandler? We're just, I just can't yeah. kill Monica or Leslie. So that was yeah. sort of what narrowed down my said. And I feel like if I'm going to marry anyone, I think Ben is just, Ben would be a good, uh, cause I, we talked about this on the podcast. Ben mm. does have a distinct personality. He's yes. not just like a nothing plain guy, no. but he's so, he is passive in a sense that he can kind of take a backseat to a stronger personality mm-hmm. type, mm-hmm. which I think would be a better fit for me mm, in a marriage. Yeah. Because yes. I don't think I could Chandler's funny and stuff. And like, he gets into wacky scenarios, but I think he would almost be too annoying to me sometimes. Yeah. I love Chandler. <laughs> I immediately love Chandler. when Dan said this, I was like, Oh, I'll murder Chandler. And then let's figure out the rest. Like <laughs> okay, immediately. So immediately murder Chandler. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but a- I love Chandler. I grew yeah, up identifying as a Monica, but always me wishing too. I was a Chandler or a Rachel for some okay. reason. Okay. I think I wanted people to think that I was good looking and funny. And the only reason good looking <laughs> was because growing up, I look, I saw on what I like, what message I got from TV was like, if you're not pretty, then you can't be an actor. And I wanted to be an actor. So right. I didn't actually give a shit about being pretty. It's just the currency of, oh, well, if you're pretty people like you. And right. as a kid, I just wanted to be liked, but like, yeah, for sure. so I think I wanted to be Rachel, but I wanted to be funny. So I wanted to be Chandler, but I was a Monica, like for sure. You know, I would love to do maybe an episode on this or maybe like a bonus thing on our Patreon, but I am convinced. Don't ask me for examples right now off the top <laughs> okay, of my head fair. because I won't be able to really recall them, but I have had like a mental Rolodex in my head of, of li- one-liners, but I honestly believe that Rachel gets some of the funniest lines in the 
whole show and they go overlooked she gets really hilarious scathing roasts that are so (laughs) funny but I just kind of feel like they go under the radar because she's not typically known as the funny one she has funny moments but she's like the pretty one they just made her the pretty one who's spoiled and loves shopping like they kind of yeah yeah yeah, she's more than that for sure she's more than that and she has some really really funny lines and I would love to do some kind of compilation of them because I really feel like they don't get as much attention as they (gasps) should. Oh I would love that. Oh (laughs) yes I encourage you to do that. Someone needs to vouch for Rachel's comedic skills and timing. (laughs) I know that on your Patreon you did like a bonus worst couple Mm -hmm. um, finale which was Bella and Edward from Twilight and Anastasia and Christian from Fifty Shades of Grey which I Mm -hmm. love that they were paired together. So I'm curious if you had to fuck, kill, date, or marry. Oh my God. Four, oh no. Who would you do? This is even more awful than the other. <laughs> because kids. you don't want to marry anyone. You no. know what I mean? It's like, they're so undesirable. Well, I shouldn't oh say they're God. all actually, undesirable. They're not. I would. Okay. Oh my God. Okay. Actually, this might be easier because they're so awful. Yes. Yeah. Are okay. we including dating in this now? Or are we yes. just so eliminating fuck, one? Let's do fuck, kill, date, and marry. Okay. I think that I would fuck Christian. Oh, interesting. Okay, yes, fuck Christian. I think I would okay. fuck Christian. Okay. Um, I would marry her. I think I would marry. Hmm. I'm going so. Can back I marry and forth. Edward and not be a vampire? Hundred percent. And you know okay. what? You could make him not a vampire if you want. That's true. This is our I'm, world. I think I'm killing Bella. <laughs> and da- great, 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 I don't great. really care for her. That's fair. I, think I could date Anna. I think I could, okay. I could date maybe or marry Anastasia. The only reason why I'm going back and forth with Edward, it, mm. I don't particularly like him either. But I, my strategy is I'm thinking, well, he's going to live forever, right? <laughs> forever i don't remember yeah 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 yeah. he totally does so like maybe we can have some sort of like arrangement where like we're married kind of like go do whatever like an open marriage a little bit yeah 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 yeah. like he has no concept of time why does he have to be so finite in his absolutely which he does act like it's the be all end all and i'm like you're going to live forever why are you this clingy and this like possessive like how um, has your decades of living given you zero perspective like you like what the fuck is, how do you have this big of an ego and you're immortal like that's yeah. just ridiculous yeah and dan was saying why is has he been in high school for eight years <laughs> yeah. like all this time well why i think they have to like crazy? move i think in the books oh, they said I? like they the family had to like move around. I could be totally wrong. I read the book so long ago, but I think you the family the had, books, I did. I re- and I read the novella, which was like a little no. spinoff one of like Bryn or something. One of the, I did. Oh I read the books. I was so frustrated by the, um, actually you, I said this in the podcast, like jealousy is not like, I'm, it's a feeling I'm not judging it. There's no shame mm. around that. Your, uh, jealous the be how you act on your jealousy is fully your responsibility and both of these stories I'm like these people need to get their fucking behavior yeah. in check like I'm yeah, done absolutely. yeah, yeah for sure. I think I would actually kill Christian which is like okay I mean I get that I mean but he's good at sex I just yeah that's my only uh, thing is why I would fuck him is because he's yeah. got a lot of gear 
To he make, does have a lot of gear. Even if he's bad, but I don't think he's bad. Here's the thing. I yeah. think yeah. all his trauma and the way he identifies his like, yes. he falsely identifies, in my opinion, as mm. this guy who's into BDSM when he really just needs to go to therapy and not yeah. separate from BDSM completely. Yes. But he's got like, I like that room was immaculate and beautiful. <laughs> and lots of really expensive toys and, and yeah. Stuff. And I think it would be fun. He's super hot, super hot. I would mm. I'll give him that. I like that one scene where he was doing like that airborne planking thing. He was like balancing his whole body was like in the air. And he was oh, like, oh, yeah. Like and just like, yeah. He, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because like wild. feet were up. That is yeah, wild. His feet were up. And he was like completely uh parallel to the ground horizontally yeah. and just like holding his own weight I was like that's super hot yeah and I think that he's got a great body and so I don't want any sort of emotional I want right what he thinks he wants at the beginning of the movie where he's like <laughs> I don't do labels I'd be like cool yeah bro, shut up. yeah just do it then and so I think I could do that with him that's fair and I would want nothing else and then I I think I could, because Anastasia, apart from Christian, I think mm. given a fair shake in terms of developing a personality. And Dakota Johnson, mm-hmm. I think, was actually fantastic. She did. She worked with what she did. What she That's exactly. She took yeah. a little turd and I was yes. like, wow, this is what you can do with a turd. Like, I think yes. she was incredible. I and thought that, so too. Yeah. yeah. And I know like, whatever, like, yeah. I mean, and I don't fault the actor something Dorian, I think for Jamie Dorian, I think. Yes. I don't fault him for that. Although then I was reading an article where for, um, oh my God, the other show he did where he played like a stalker serial killer. He killed women in the show. Um, he, in an interview in like 2016 or something, he said Mm -hmm. how to get in character one day he was on the train and he decided to stalk a woman, like just to see how it feels. Yeah. And there was no backlash, like nothing. And I thought, yeah. And I was like, like, I didn't hear about any of it. And I'm like, what the fuck? This is not okay. No. So, um, I would for sure just kill Christian, not killing Jamie, but I would, sorry, there's a fluff on my eyelash. I would kill Christian. And I think I would date I actually think I would date Anastasia I would fuck Edward and I would marry Bella but I don't know if that's just because I really like um Kristen Stewart wait what you what would you do with Bella I would marry her oh you'd marry her oh wow okay that's the thing I like Kristen Stewart too yeah, but I, it should be but the I character, like, shouldn't it? It shouldn't be I the know, actor. I know, that's the thing. It's got to be the character. That's why it's hard <sighs> to separate. I, I hate both of these guys. So like, I, they're like Christian, <laughs> the problem is even if he's good in bed, I want to give him zero okay. like validation because Fair. he's just too controlling. And he's also way too like, like stop telling me what to do and telling me what I like and telling, stop getting me yes. a laptop and driving me to places. <laughs> yeah, I, I can buy my own goddamn laptop. Like enough. <laughs> it's so. And like the IT guy was like in her oh, apartment. Yeah. I know. And it's then just too. He was yeah. depositing like money into her yeah. bank account. Like what the hell? Why do you know yeah. my bank account information? Yeah. It's so like. I get constant, I would get constant mm-hmm. messages from him that he doesn't believe that I can take care of myself or that I'm competent in any way that literally like my vagina would be dry. Hi mom. My mom listens to this show. Like I just would not be able to have sex with him. I would be like, you are making me feel like I'm completely incompetent. I'm going to murder you now. And then, but Anastasia might still have access to that room. So I'm like, do I have sex with her? 
in the red room. Oh, okay. That's an interesting twist. You know? has access to his room maybe yeah because I think that um he you don't know with him because he says he was into like the one night you think that maybe he'd be into a one night stand but right then he's giving her like the googly eyes and all of a sudden he's showing up at bars and telling her not to drink like after yeah. one night or whatever he started acting crazy so who's who knows stalking her yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely and you're right that it gives I think it gives uh BDSM now I'm like question like kink in any way I think it gives it such a bad, it's so it, bad. it makes it synonymous with like trauma yes. and and need for control when I'm mm. like no there's no consent in this and kink no. is all about consent this is yes. fucked up like these need to be two up. books separate yeah. this Oh, thank you for indulging me in that conversation. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Courtney, to wrap up, I love to do some sort of like rapid fire questions. Okay. I swear there's a fluff, but I think it, I keep thinking it's a bug and it's freaking me out. This is when I've had <laughs> okay. too much Malibu. That's <laughs> in case you see me swatting nothing. Okay. So I have a few like little rapid fire questions for you, but also okay. you get to take all the time you want. So please don't feel like you're put on the okay. spot or, or anything you get on everyone. <laughs> all right. Okay. So first one is professionally speaking, who's someone who you would love to collaborate with that you haven't gotten to yet? Um, I would love to collaborate with, um, I really, I would love to collaborate with Maria Bamford. I think I've worked with her before, but, but it would be fun to like, kind of like do a project or like maybe do some kind of it'd be cool to be on tour with her or even just like do some kind of show with her. Um, like that lady dynamite show that she has, which was really cool. So, yeah. I have to tell you the quickest story. I went to go do, um, UCB like improv classes in Mm -hmm. LA. And when I was applying, you can apply for like first level, second level, whatever I had done conservatory in Toronto. I'm so embarrassed of this story. And so I emailed them and was like, Hey, so I've done like conservatory in Toronto. Like, should I just go into the second level? Like, how are Mm -hmm. you feeling? And they very, very kindly were like, no, you know what? Like go into the first level. Cause everyone needs to have the same vocabulary or whatever. I'm like, uh-huh. no problem. So I signed up for the first level. I show yeah. up on the first day. Maria uh-huh. Bamford is in my class. <gasps> no. And I feel like the biggest idiot being like, she's in the class. And I'm the idiot who was like, hi, I did conservatory in Canada. And like, I think I should skip, but like Maria is in this one. Anyway, I just felt like a fucking, I, it was such a wonderful check of like, yep, yeah, yeah. you're right. Yep. 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 We're going to start here anyway. But she's so, uh, she's so modest and oh. humble. like she would, I like, and it's so, and it's such a lovely part of her personality that she's mm. just has so much humility and grace. But I feel like it wouldn't surprise me if she like came out of this pandemic and, and was like, oh, I guess I have to go take like stand up 101 again. <laughs> just like, go, like I, could see, I could see her doing that mm-hmm. and then just killing it, obviously. And then do you see that? Are you, do you follow her on Twitter? Um, yes, I do, but I'm not on Twitter. Hardly ever. Okay. So recently, so, okay. So go on Twitter more in the past, okay. in the next couple of weeks. Cause what okay. she does is every time she develops a new hour of material, she yeah. goes Twitter and asks if anyone, literally anyone on Twitter wants to hop on Zoom and watch her material live for an hour just so that she can run it by you. Like, and, she, and then she just picks someone in the replies. And it's so cool. 
And all you gotta what? do is just reply back to her, like, yeah, I'm free for an hour. And then you, she just hops on Zoom and she'll do this in perfect person. Like she'll just take someone <gasps> for coffee and just like in across the table, like do her hour in front of you. And your job is just to sit and listen to it. And I, it's so amazing that she does that. And she, oh I noticed God. that she started doing that a couple of days ago again, cause she has a new hour. So she's just like going on Twitter and, and doing that. Oh, well, this is now converting <laughs> me to using Twitter every day. I, oh yeah, my God, I, I have that. so much time free, Maria. I'm yes, so available. I mean, everybody is right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Thank you for that tip, Courtney. Yes, see, absolutely. no scarcity. Look at you sharing, building good karma. I would love for you to go <gasps> on Zoom you. with Maria. Yeah. I want you to go on Zoom with Maria. <laughs> I want us both to go. Go on, both go on Zoom. Maria. <laughs> Hi, Maria. I hope Maria is listening. Okay. What is something that you do? Well, now I know. Okay. What is something that you do that's just for you? Mm. <laughs> what I were you thinking of? The ice, of ice chips. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure just for me. That's like the kind of thing that it's like, should I be? It's not like a gross thing, but it's like the kind of thing like, yeah, like did, have you ever watched uh, Sex and the City when Carrie is talking about like the things you do when you're single by yourself that you don't want anyone else to see you do? And hers was just like something dumb, like she, she eats saltines over the counter or right. something. Like that. It's just like yeah. a thing she likes to do, <laughs> which I realize I never really sit down to eat. I always stand up to eat. Always. Really? Yeah, oh, I interesting. I'm trying more recently to like have a meal. I don't really have a kitchen table. I have like, mm -hmm. a, I have a couple of bar stools at a kitchen island, but like, it's very small. And so for me, I think I just eat out of efficiency and I just yeah. get it over with. And so I um, just kind of stand over the, the kitchen counter and just eat and um I've been trying to bring my food to the coffee table and like sit down and have a meal. Yeah. But yeah it's just like stand up and like pace around between bikes and, like, <laughs> I always have a million things going on yeah I um, heard though that like sitting versus standing I don't know if this is true but I heard sitting and eating versus standing and eating is better for your digestion yeah I'm regardless sure. of like where your mind's at I try okay. and do like conscious eating like I try yeah. to like sit and chew I mean I'm always watching like Real Housewives or something while I'm eating so yeah. however conscious I can be while I'm like <laughs> escaping into that mm -hmm. but I try and like I find all, as I'm chewing my food, I already have a fork full ready to go. So I try and like put it in my mouth, put my fork down and just be mindful of what I'm chewing. But like, yeah, even that's, that's hard to do, honestly. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but something that's just for me is yeah. I really love, so as I mentioned, I watch a lot of movies, but like mm -hmm. a thing that I really like is I, I really am into a very particular type of movie that I could watch all day as like very bad B or C rated thrillers on Amazon Prime. <laughs> I love them. I, I think Amazing. I've actually, I, I think I've exhausted the entire collection. Oh on no. Prime I only like, cause okay. I discovered that there is like, there are series made by the same people. So there'll be mm. one called, um, okay. So there, so for anyone who's also into bad movies, like kind of ironically, but all, cause I know they're bad, but yeah. I 
am entertained by them. And I don't <laughs> like all bad movies. It has to be a very specific brand that's not campy. They, they can't know that they, they can't be self-aware. Like mm. I'm not talking about like Evil Dead or like campy stuff. I'm talking about like they really put their heart and soul into this, but it's still horrible. <laughs> I love that shit so much. And so there's this, like these series that I discovered on Prime because once you start watching one bad thriller, um, it recommends a bunch oh, to yeah. you after like related ones. And so like there's this one called like Stalked by My Mother. That's the name <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> it's Stalked by My Mother. So you know, just so sad. And you, this is how you know a Prime. I'm saying Prime because that's where I have found, but I've joined all the streaming <laughs> sites. Yeah. If you're Canadian, you have to join like a million to get a good selection of stuff. Yeah. And um, and so Prime has the largest selection of, of really bad <laughs> movies. And, and so, you know, it's bad when it has a title like that, but then also the synopsis like gives everything away and is- Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're like, did everything? they just- did they just tell me the ending of the movie yes. in the synopsis? Like, I'm yeah. so confused. It's yeah. like everything that you need to know is in the synopsis. <laughs> and there's, like, typos and shit. And then... <laughs> typos! Oh, that's there's even one, better. There's one I watched today that, like, in the middle of the sentence, it just randomly stops. Like, they lost their train of thought. And then a new <laughs> sentence starts. Um, <laughs> but, oh, um, my God. So then once you are oh, stuck, stuck by my mother, they all have very similar formula. So it's like right. this... Uh, this girl and her her mom is like over possessive or whatever and then the the girl moves away and the mom follows her and the girl's trying to start, start her new life and everything's going great until the mother you know starts <laughs> fucking shit up and whatever but and then it and then it gets like deadly and she's like and then so then there's more though so then that turns in now there's a then there's another part of the franchise called stalked by my doctor and it's about <laughs> and it's about it's just a doctor. all stalked like it's just yeah. stalked by my and then yes. they just they have a never-ending pool yeah pull they're from. stalked by my the ones that i've seen is stalked by my mother stalked mother. by my doctor there's another one stalked by my like girlfriend or something there's like at least four of those and then there's other oh ones oh my god one. yeah and i i love them so much there's one i watch called double daddy and it's about this <laughs> about this guy who finds out somehow he's somehow his girlfriend is is pregnant with twins to two different dads. I don't know if that's a oh real thing. That can um, you can because you is can that... have double uteruses. Really? Yes. Oh I found that God. out on like TLC or something. You can have two different uteruses, so you could that's be crazy. pregnant. Yeah. So you could you have, like not yeah. know until you get pregnant that you have two different uteruses. You might not know until you get like an ultrasound. I guess. Okay. Yeah. I guess you get double periods, but like they for sure sync up. Oh my like if God, you can sync periods. up, but like oh. if you could, I know like double the cramps. At it would different be the same times. Well, I feel like, like I've, I've, my period has synced up with like a, a roommate, let alone like yeah. womb mates. You know what I mean? Like yeah. two, I feel like the uteruses would sync up for sure. And you would just have, have it at the to. same time. Yeah. yeah. They're both inside your body and like, yeah. You can you sync up with your best friend like that that's gotta you gotta sync up with your own body but yeah. I mean you would you know what would suck is like I always think if I'm ever pregnant at least I get a break from my period for nine months but you would still get your period I guess from the other oh, uterus the other one can you can't you get one removed 
I guess you could have a hysterectomy of one of them. Yeah, that's what I would do if that was just remove one of them. Just yeah. Well, and people like I've heard, I'm probably just on like TV, like couples will joke like, oh, well, she's already pregnant so we can have sex because then I can't impregnate her again. But like you yeah, could, you could, and then you could be you. six months pregnant and three months pregnant oh at the same God. time. That's nuts. And then you're having two different babies out of two uteruses. Yeah. Oh my God. How co- I want, I'm going to look this up after like, the statistics. <laughs> like how common is this? That's I don't nuts. know. If you find wow. out, please message me and let me know. I would love, I will. Whole, like, I would love to learn. We need more. Anyway, we need to just know more <laughs> about female anatomy and female I reproduction do. and labor yeah. and pregnancy and all of these things anyway. So, sure. um, I love that. Okay. If you were, uh, oh, if you were getting like a green room, what, what's the one thing that would have to be in your rider has to be in that green room for you? Air conditioning. (laughs) Oh, that's such a good one. I've thought of this before of what would be in my rider. I do. I wouldn't have a lot. Um, I love, I used to love reading those on, uh, smokinggun.com used to release, uh, backstage riders of famous, of celebrities, like what was in there, what was in Beyonce's rider and stuff. No. uh, Oh, I am reading that. Screw double uteruses. This is why we don't know enough about female anatomy. I'm Googling that. Yeah. Look, yeah, for sure. Look up celebrities, craziest backstage riders. Um, I, I'm, I, I, I'm, always too hot, always mm. too hot. Um, I run hot. I always have, I sweat <laughs> very easily and profusely and I need air. Uh, and I, I just would love air conditioning. I, I wouldn't be able to, especially because before I go on stage, I tend to get warm, especially mm-hmm. if it's in like a green room with other people. And I ask for this on stage too. Like I actually have had shows where I've requested when I know the venue is typically hot. Mm. Um, and I'm like, even in, in comedy bar on the main mm. stage, the lights get so hot that I've yeah. asked for them to be like dimmed a certain amount or I've, I, when I was doing JFL 42, I asked for like wind at the Rivoli. They have like wind, not wind machines, but like little, like little fans. Yeah. yeah little fans. And I need it. Otherwise I'm not comfortable. So that would be my number one thing. I love that. A fresh supply of, I'm a simp for air. <laughs> I need oxygen. Give me need, some ice chips and give I me some, some ice chips. air. Yes. I me down inside and outside. I love that. Air and water. I just need two main elements. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Screw the other ones. No <laughs> yeah. fire. Screw that yes. other one. We no don't fire. want that one. No. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So taking inspiration from your podcast, I'm wondering if you had to choose which TV or movie couple would you join as a thruple? That's a good question. Some of the couples, it's like, you seem to be, like some of them, even the best ones, I'm like, you seem to be a lot on your own though (laughs) (laughs) you know I love watching you but I don't know if I want to deal with you every day definitely not Ross and Rachel no it's too much Chandler and Monica I feel could be fun Mm. maybe they give a variety of experience I feel like 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 there would be a lot it wouldn't be boring yeah you know what would be a fun throuple that I think would be very free spirited mm. and an open is ruin jewels from you euphoria we covered them on the podcast oh that would be oh yeah. yeah they're young they're they're just more they're like intense love for each other but they seem more like I don't know they're just more open and yeah they're gen they're they're definitely gen z so I feel like um 
their perception of relationship dynamics is probably more advanced than some of the older TV sitcom couples that you see. Yeah, they might be more accepting to have a throuple yeah, to even have place. a throuple in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas like the other ones I'm thinking like Jim and Pam or like yeah. Ben and Leslie, it would be like a whole thing. They'd have like a calendar for you and like, <laughs> and like, yeah, they'd buy, they'd buy books about it and stuff. It would just be like so planned and not spontaneous. And I not feel. organic. I see yeah, my not brain. Organic. like immediately went to Dwight and Angela from the office Whoa, but I'm like I holy. also but I'm like why I don't think why like yeah I don't think I would like have I don't know why that'll be something I'll reflect on I bet Michael and Holly would be open to a threesome at least oh my god couple. Steve Carell I would mm-hmm. marry in a moment I love Steve Carell yeah love <laughs> oh okay my last question for you Courtney Okay. Is what is something that you're feeling grateful for today? Oh, great question. Today specifically, I'm grateful for just ending it on a really good note. Um, It hasn't been like a bad day, but just like, uh, just like moments of like a little bit of like petty stress where it's like Mm -hmm. not the end of the world, but you, I am PMSing right now. And so certain Uh. things feel like the end of the world mm-hmm. and I was able to just kind of like muscle through them and like calm myself down and ground myself and uh I got a couple of things done that needed to be done and I think I'm just grateful for like those simple days where it's just like okay what I've been doing is enough it doesn't have to be like not every day has to be like a hero day where I've mastered everything and it's just you know um it's one of those days where uh yeah, I feel good about about how I how I powered through some some stressful times and ended it with a Malibu and rum. I think that's <laughs> I love that not every day has to be a hero day. Just being like, hey, you did you did some things today, and that yeah. was great. And even before this podcast, I was like, you know, I I, I don't drink that often. Like I will when I think to, but it's just not, mm-hmm. I barely even have alcohol like in my apartment. It's, I'm more of like a weed girl. I like mm-hmm. smoking or eating, but um, for some reason, uh, like drinking Malibu and rum and Coke, like reminded me of like my younger days of, of like drinking and like going out and stuff, which we mm-hmm. obviously haven't been able to do. And so I was like making a, uh, I was like pre-gaming, I was like, <laughs> I was, like doing my makeup and like drinking a little bit and like <laughs> country music and stuff Aww. and I was just like it was just nice just like having a nice little moment with it to have fun I thought that was really fun 